0: Brace yourself, my friends. It's long, but it's worth it. We are going to take a deep dive into everything that's going on in Sweden, which is to say everything that's also going on in Europe and North America and the West as a whole. This is essential, engaging, enjoyable, entertaining and essential information for you to get a hold of and keep. And I hope you will absorb this and share and act on the information contained in this presentation. And just a reminder, these are long. These are challenging to put together. And I really, really need your support to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, we've passed half a billion views and downloads, some incredible spots of philosophical light arcing down of our minds together and just bringing incredible illumination to the world as a whole. So please, please, I implore you, go to freedomainradio.com slash donate, help us out so that we can continue to crack wide the nuts of delusion of social policy in this case. My friends, I give you Sweden. So let us look at Sweden's political future, however short it may in fact be. 800 years could end in a generation or two. So on September 9th, 2018, Sweden's national election will determine members of the Riksdag, which in turn will elect the Prime Minister of Sweden. Like in much of Europe, discussions about the migrant crisis and immigration have taken priority. As citizens head to the ballot box, establishment parties, including the Social Democrats and Moderate Party, face strong opposition from the immigration-critical Sweden Democrats. Now, on May 4th, 2018, predictably, the ruling Social Democrats announced a change to their migration policy, which allowed, or had allowed, over 350,000 asylum seekers to arrive within the previous four years. And Sweden does not have a big population, so that is a lot to absorb and of course the ruling party when facing dissatisfaction over mass migration from the third world says no 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 we'll change it we'll change it then they get elected and well we all know what happens after that please please you owe it to your forefathers and foremothers don't be fooled while refusing of course to set any type of hard limit social democrat figures announced plans to negotiate more restrictive asylum legislation with the european union okay let's take these one at a time. You know, your wife comes to you and says, Are you going to take out the garbage? And you say, I'm going to negotiate with the European Union. Oh, so what you mean is you're going to do nothing. Well, that of course is code. It's a dog whistle, you see, for not doing anything is to say, No, 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 I'm going to negotiate with the European Union. Theresa May. How about this? They're going to require municipalities to deny services to those refused asylum. Why not just deport those refused asylum and then you don't have to worry about it? Why would you want to put them in the no-go zones, which everyone says don't exist, but which in fact do? (sighs) Why would you want to deny services to those already in volatile areas of your country? How's that going to go? Abolition or reduction in work permits for denied applicants. Again, if you're denied, why are you in the country, let alone getting a work permit? Expanded measures to ensure the identity of asylum seekers and more. How are they going to identify true asylum seekers? Look, this is just basic human motivation, incentive. On the one hand, you have people absolutely dedicated, driven by religion and ideology to get into the, through the golden gates, into the massive welfare paradise of Europe, in this case, Sweden. And they'll do anything by hook or by crook to get in there because, because, because. On the other hand, you have pimply behind it, inert, fat, sloth-like, Bureaucrats who were terrified of being called racist. Hmm, I wonder who's going to win. Who has more motivation to get what they want? I think we all know the answer to that. Swedish immigration minister and social democrat Hélène Fritson said, It became particularly clear in the autumn of 2015 that the Swedish migration policy was not sustainable. Even if the number of asylum seekers has dropped significantly in Sweden, it is significantly higher than our population share in Europe. Not quite double, but close to it. See, this is your gripping and powerful, easy to convince to defend you social Democrats. Oh, they are just going to keep you so safe. See, they figured out there was a massive problem in 2015. now, a mere three years later, shortly before an election, they're saying, hey, there was a huge problem. We first identified it three years ago. What have we been doing then? Since then, well, uh, we had a lot of IKEA furniture to put together. You know, that stuff can be complicated, so we haven't got quite round to having borders yet. But we're on it. We're going to promise a lot right before the election, you know. (laughs) I love you. And then he came. Swedish Prime Minister and Social Democrat Stefan Löfven said, Only a few EU countries took their share of responsibility during the refugee crisis was a major setback, and it clearly demonstrated the importance of a common system of regulations that works. It's not possible to put an exact figure, and I've said that all the time, asylum law applies. You are ashamed to your first name, my friend. And you know, some of this is a little bit of a word salad, but you get the gist, or rather the the ghost of a gist. Uh, some of this is translated, of course. Moderate party leader Ulf Christensen said, at last we can come to a position where we can discuss a sustainable and long-term and tighter Swedish migration policy in a coherent tone. It would be very good for Sweden. It is obvious that this question is special. It obviously splits the current government, and there are major differences in the alliance parties. So this is a very central issue. This requires that both parties that feel the greatest responsibility to form government after a choice also create long-term thinking. God, it's tough to mouth these empty platitudes. Ah. Green Party member Asa Lindhagen said, we do not have children in Sweden who freeze when it's cold or worried about not having food on the table. This is a matter of decency. Therefore, today's message from Lovine and Fritson is disgusting. <laughs> Excellent. So the men are vague and the women are hysterical. I'm sure we're just about to solve the problem, right, Sweden? <sighs> Green Party member Marta Stenavi said... Now the Social Democrats want to nationally stop municipalities from following the Children's Convention. As you yourself and the government want to make Swedish law and forbid us to show humanity, it's shameful. Mm. Finger wagging, man shaming, vague platitudes. And that's not how you secure your future, my friends. That's how you sell it to anyone with one tenth of a percent more commitment than you have. <sighs> Life with government, it ain't long. Left party leader Jonas Sjofsted said, the Social Democrats are trying to compete with other parties to have the toughest policy against people on the run. Sweden Democrats leader Jimmy Ackerson said, Ackerson said, there are very strong numbers in this measurement. Historically, we usually measure ourselves quite badly. This confirms the trend. We are growing right now, and the social democrats are decreasing. Swedish journalist Fredrik Furtenbach said, Sweden democrats has risen in the spring, and I think it's about how much people are talking about migration, how much migration dominates the political debate. We know from other measurements that the majority of voters have not decided who to vote for. A future or vague platitudes and hysteria? Feminist initiative politician and member of the European Parliament, Saroya Post, says The Swedish Democrats still have a continuous female fidelity, homophobic, nationalistic, racist, and xenophobic policy. This has not been changed. Their policies are still not inclusive. It still excludes minorities. Normalizing the Swedish Democrats and their racist and sexist policies is unacceptable and a major threat to our democracy and human rights. Well, I hate to say it, but she seems kind of emotional. And I don't know what it is. Are the migrants the children you never had? I don't know what this is. I I don't, because this is the weird thing that happens, is that If you're a white male and you're in Sweden, they say, well, we've been nagging you about not being sexist and phobic for 70 years and you've not budged an inch. In fact, it might even be worse. But we're going to bring in all these Muslims from the third world and we're going to fix them with a pamphlet. You people won't change, you white people. But these other people from the third world, change, change, change. They can be folded like origami. You people are like boulders. Madness. It, it literally is. It literally is madness. And nature doesn't care. If you're crazy, you she just pff, sweep you away. Like yesterday's spiders. So let's look at the election results from 2014. Spoiler, they're gonna change a little. Swedish Social Democrat Party at 31%. Moderate Party 23.3%. Sweden. Democrats 12.9%. Green Party 6.9. Center Party 6.1%. Left Party. Liberal People's Party, 5.4. Christian Democrats, 4.6%. Feminist Initiative, 3.1%. And the Pirate Party, 0.4%. Actually, it might be good to learn how to sail, given how things are going. So this is the polling for 2018 from YouGov, June 15th to 18th, of course, 2018. Let's see how things have shifted. Sweden Democrats... 28.5%. Swedish Social Democrat Party, 22%. Moderate Party, 17.3. Left Party, 9.3. Center, 7.1. Liberal People's Party, 4.3. Green Party, 3.8. Christian Democrats, 3.1. Feminist Initiative, 0.4. And other, I guess, including the Pirates, 3.4%. Interesting. You know, there's a Pirates Party in Sweden. Sweden is importing a lot of Somalis. A lot of Somalis are actual pirates. It's, uh, eh, it's interesting. Oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> so let's look at asylum applications by country. Are you ready to rumble up and down the roller coaster? Well, pretty much up. 2000 to 2017. So these are six of the major countries. Italy, Sweden, Germany, Greece, and France. And I know you're listening to the podcast. It's worth checking this one out Visually. Now, this is total, not by population, as they pointed, as one of the Swedish politicians pointed out. It's really high per capita in Sweden. But here you can see Germany, I mean, they just went mad. Went mad. <sighs> Germans interpreting laws to the negative benefit of Europe. Ah, oh, my well, first time for everything. So as you can see here, I mean, Germany outstrips everyone, and everyone went kind of ra- crazy uh, in the 2012 to 2018 range, and uh, the craziness still continues. Uh, Sweden did have a big bulge in 2015, and then, of course, it went down. Now it's creeping back up. And remember, the ruling party is not putting any hard limits on them. This is what you need to ask people. If you're going to have any intelligent conversation about immigration, there are about probably five and a half billion people who want to move to Western countries. Just curious, is there an upper limit? And if there's not, you're dealing with a crazy person and you should just back away slowly and not scare them with a calculator. Sweden asylum applications, 2000 to 2017. Again, you can see that same crazy bulge in 2015. Kind of low, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, then north of 160,000. And remember, these accumulate, so these are per year, but these accumulations are huge and you put in, the uh, massively increased or significantly increased birth rates among these people. And it does not take a lot of math to say. "Ah, ah." So asylum applications by country, 2000 and 2017. This is half a generation, half a generation or so. Not a lot. But look at these numbers. Germany over 2.4 million. France over a million. The UK over 730,000. Sweden 712,700. Italy, 647,720. Just astounding. Well, this is the price you have of having a welfare state. You have a welfare state, you think it's just going to help all the people in the country and everyone's going to be just fine. No, you're creating a giant, unguarded magnet of money to draw the world in to feast upon the jugular of your diminishing economic productivity. This is the price. The devil comes along and says, hey, I'm going to give you something great. It's going to be wonderful. And only then, later, does the price of all the free stuff become clear. And the price of the free stuff is, well, no-go zones, increased rapes, violence, crime, economic collapse, social disintegration, and the potential end of the multi-thousand-year journey of Western civilization, or, as it's also known, civilization. Migrants in Sweden. Now, these are based on United Nations estimates on foreign-born or foreign citizens. So this includes, of course, the regular old-fashioned immigrants. And this, of course, is um, cumulative, right? 1990, 788,000 and change. 1995, just over 936,000. 2000, just over a million. 2005, 1.125 million. 2010, 1.33, 34 million. 2015, just over 1.6 million, 2017, 1.747 million, 710. This is estimates. They're probably undercounting. Who knows? The borders are porous. People come in with fake stuff. They go AWOL. They're supposed to be deported. They don't show off for deportation proceedings. They go underground. They go deep undercover. Where does this end? What is the plan here? Well, there's no plan. There's simply appeasement in the moment and a desperate desire to not be called a racist. 2,500 years of civilization versus a two-syllable word. Amazing. So look at Sweden's population. So the total population, again, it's tiny. It's less than 10 million people. Canada is like, what, 35 million? It's less than 10 million people astonishing the foreign-born or foreign citizens some of whom are very foreign 1,747,710 so you understand it's almost 10 million so this is 17.6 percent of the entire population of the country <sighs> the question isn't are they going to integrate the question is is there anyone left for them to integrate to? Oh, let's pay them not to integrate. Let's pay them to stay in no-go zones. Let's pay them to not learn English. Let's pay them to have more children because that's just going to bring about integration like nobody's business. Remember how long it took for the Irish to integrate when there was no welfare state in America in the 19th century? Remember that? This is about 10,000% of the opposite direction. So, migrants in Sweden, where are they coming from? United Nations estimates on foreign-born or foreign citizens. So from uh, Finland, which is a fine country and a not very funny Monty Python song, 157,851. So that's the biggest source of immigration or migration to Sweden. Number two, Iraq, 133,414. The Syrian Arab Republic contributes just under 100,000, Poland, 86,506, Iran, just under 70,000, Somalia, remember, I told you, anyway, Somalia, I guess they wanted to hand deliver the uh, spam emails, 61,324, Bosnia and Herzegovina, 58,372, Germany, which I assume means Turkey, 50,160, Turkey, which definitely means Turkey, 46,909, and Norway, 42,561. So that's a lot of non-Europeans. See, this is the way diversity works. You understand what diversity means, right? Diversity doesn't mean diversity. Diversity means not white. Because Europe, full of diversity, just count all the white people. You've got different languages, different religions, different cultures, different histories. They've been at war with each other. Lots of diversity. Costumes, music, you name it. Tons of diversity throughout Europe, except it's not diversity because they were all white. So diversity just means non-whites. That's all. And usually it means non-whites living off white-funded taxpayer. So, ah, Muslim population projections. Pew Research. Top 10 countries in Europe. Now remember, Islam is not just a religion. Islam is an entire political system. It has religious elements to it, but it is a political system that in many countries in the past has displaced the existing legal system in the country it has moved to. So, it's not just another religion per se. It is an entire legal framework, an entire political system. And that's important to remember. I think that's why it gets special consideration when it comes to immigration. So, according to these projections under the high migration scenario, Europe as a whole is going to be 14% Muslim by 2050. And that's a shocking growth of close to 200%, 193%. So... According to the projections, this is by 2050, Sweden is going to be 30.6% Muslim. Germany, 19.7%. Muslim, Austria, 19.2%. Belgium, 18.2%. France, 18%. United Kingdom, 17.2%. Norway, 17%. Denmark, 16%. Netherlands, 15.2%. And Italy, 14.1%. Now, remember also that in... Europe there's a lot of these highly fragmented political parties right political situations coalitions and so on so if you have a voting block of 20 to 30% you rule you rule and a lot of the muslims of course as we've seen with the labor party in england where the imams told the local population to vote for labor because leftism equals open borders and all of this diversity uh, diversity and so you get a voting block that is that focused and that monolithic how are you going to compete everyone else has kind of fragmented this in general again i get that there's different sects within islam and so on but in general that is going to be a very decisive voting block and all politicians are going to have to bow towards the needs and preferences of this voting block i don't know when when the cultures that had to survive winter lost the ability to look down the road and see whether they wanted. Hey, if you love this, you love this. If you don't, you don't. But at least know what it is. Sweden and migrant fraud. Now, the prevalence of fake or counterfeit government documents amongst asylum applicants, well, it's been very well documented throughout Europe, as has what's been termed welfare shopping which is the violation of the Dublin regulation requiring asylum seekers to claim asylum in the first member country where they entered the European Union, right? So if you're desperate, if you're drowning, if, if you're like in the late last 20 minutes of the movie Titanic and some ship comes along, well, you want to get out of the freezing water if you say, oh no, I'm going to wait for a ship that's slightly more comfortable. Um, well, I don't know why I sounded like, sound like the Duke of Edinburgh there, but you, of course, are desperate. And so if you are fleeing from, say, North Africa or the Middle East, you cross the Mediterranean, you just got to stay in the first country you land in. But if people just start going and saying, well, we hear there's much better welfare benefits in Germany, that's not allowed. That's not allowed. But of course, it happens all the time. Because in that case, well, the feet are mightier than the pen. So yeah, there is a lot of uh, counterfeit going on there. And again, you can just look at certain Belief systems within certain sects of uh, Islam, and they are fine with lying to non-Muslims. It's not a problem. It doesn't have the universality that Christianity often has. So, yeah, there happens to be fraud from a group whose religion often countenances lying to outsiders. So while reports of the Islamic State's involvement in distributing illegitimate passports, selling them for thousands of euros on the black market made headlines, other forms of fraud from asylum applicants are less well-known, but equally as damaging to the process and to the host country. So you understand this is a highly profitable fiction. This is like you write down uh, stuff in a passport, you write down that you're going to be uh, attacked and, and persecuted by some government and well, you get thousands of euros a month in benefits and housing and healthcare and dentist care and so on. So it's like being a fiction writer and making a huge amount of money. It's like, well, I guess it's like being Stephen King. Write a bunch of fiction, make a huge amount of money. Except, I, I guess, with Stephen King, the you can close the book on the on the on the horror story. So, Swedish broadcaster Svartys radio has reported an epidemic of Iranian migrants patronizing websites which sell them fake stories which increase their chances of being granted asylum. And of course you spend thousands of dollars uh, to go from one country to another. Some people are spending like $6,000 to go from Mexico to America. It's a couple of thousand bucks perhaps to go on a boat from North Africa to Europe. But then you get your money back pretty quickly in welfare benefits and so on. So uh, this is uh, pretty, pretty important. A whistleblower in this asylum, counterfeit asylum scheme, claimed that one organization sold him a package which included a blog critical of the Iranian regime and a full backstory for the cost of £5,350 with promises of a 100% success rate touting approvals in Germany, the United Kingdom, and the United States. So yeah, they'll backdate a blog... For you to use to lever your way into the fantastic benefits packages of asylum acceptance. Uh, I wonder if Joy Reid contacted. But they can travel through time and they're Russian. That explains a lot. Migrant dishonesty. The whistleblower said, I was able to buy a regime critical blog that has been active for several years. I had to take it over and then they helped me to update it. As if it had always been mine. So you understand, they just create a bunch of blogs and they'll sell you the blog and you can say, look, this is my blog, it's been critical, now I'm being persecuted. Your hunger to get in, to get to freedom, to get to opportunity, to get to welfare benefits is huge. The bureaucrats' incentive to say no to you, deeny 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 tiny. Oh, and of course, the government's handing out hundreds of millions of dollars to churches and other organizations to help settle these migrants. There are people who are going to make money from these migrants coming into the country. The welfare state offices need more. Drives up demand for school teachers, for healthcare. Lots of people making lots of money from all of this human trafficking and falsehood. In April 2018, Swedish Prime Minister Stefan Löfven bowed to public pressure and announced a plan to allow approximately 9,000 underage migrants from Afghanistan to stay in the country after protests over returning to them to their home country (gasps) but the children but the children yeah because you know everyone on the left cares so much about the children that they'd never want to put children in dangerous unproductive mind-destroying propaganda mills known as government schools everyone cares so much about the children they want to make sure that the children stay with their parents rather than getting dumped in daycare they care so much about the children you see that they would never think never imagine creating horrible things like national debts that enslave the future economic opportunities of children. So they love the children so much. They just love so children so much. <laughs> they love their children. Using children to advance your political agenda is vile. Come on. The, for the left, the children are just assets to borrow against so that they can bribe people into voting for them. It's a cynical, horrifying ploy. So remember 9,000 underage migrants, the children, the children, the children. How did the children get from Syria to Sweden? Pretty resourceful children. (laughs) I think I've seen a Disney movie about that or or two. So remember, 9,000 underage migrants. Oh, yeah, well, not really. Shortly thereafter, the Swedish newspaper Expressen reported that 99.4% of the underage Afghan migrants were male. And 78% of them were really adults. Yeah, see, if you have an army and you want to invade Sweden, just put your army in nappies. Y- you can actually just, you can put the, the diapers straight over their uniforms and then just say we're children. Help us. Don't let the Iraqis th- throw us out of the... <laughs> what was it? Oh, yeah. Don't, don't let them throw us out of the incubators on the floor. We have to come in. <sighs> Reports suggest that none of the underage migrants had valid identification when they entered Sweden, and almost half lived in Iran for at least a year before coming to Sweden. Now, it's interesting because you see, Iran, well, it's not a nice state, but it's not a failed state. And so if you're in Iran, you're kind of safe. The other thing too is if you let people in who have no identification, everyone's going to destroy their identification, and it's going to be impossible to identify anyone. This is not, (laughs) this is not brain surgery, people. But apparently it is. In 2017, the National Board of Forensic Medicine in Sweden conducted 7,858 migrant age assessments, which revealed that at least 84% were likely 18 years of age or older. In 2015 and 2016, an estimated 80,000 migrants entered Sweden claiming to be underage. just children. They're just Children. Now, they're children who can make up the back row of a bass choir. Uh, They're children uh, who've got back hair. But, you know, sometimes stress causes your voice to drop and a bushy beard to appear three millimeters below your eyeballs. So, yeah, it's for the children. (laughs) Gullibility, Pathological altruism. The state. I hope we learn this cycle of history, because there might not be a next one. Now, let us turn to the joyful B&Bs known as asylum homes. Now, the dangerous state of asylum homes in Sweden has also been a subject of significant discussion, though not decisive action. Accounts describing the experience of asylum home workers and the endless number of sexual harassment incidents, threats of violence, outright assaults, rapes, and even murders, well, there are clear evidence that the current plan is not working. Now, I just want you to notice something as we go forward. It's just a little tick that I have in this. I think that the corruption and degradation of a country is measurable by the length of people's job titles. Like if you've got that panoramic fold-out business card because you've got more syllables than the Welsh nickname of an Aztec god on your business card, well, it's clear evidence that you are, well, in the death throes of what was formerly a civilization. So, Swedish Migration Board working environmental specialist Maria Johansson said, incidents can be anything, including an inappropriate comment related to a sexual act. This is not a common problem with us, but it is serious when it happens. As an example, the Spenshult Asylum Home in Halmstad was leased to the Swedish Migration Board in 2015 and has housed an estimated 650 to 680 migrants since December 2016. With only 18 months of operation, local police were called to the home approximately 150 times for incidents including assault, drug offenses, sexual harassment, threats of arson, and more. Yay! Wow. Everyone, deploy your pamphlets! It's going to save everything. Madden, 150 times in 18 months. I mean... Just by the by, I mean, maybe you had this experience too if you went away to college, but I, you know, worked before I went to college at a really, really rough handed labor job for a long time. So when I went to college, I was like, kiss the library, kiss the books. No, I'm not going anywhere. Don't hand me a beer. I'm going to study because I'm thrilled to be here because I see the alternative of manual labor and it ain't that pretty. Now, the people, though, who came from really, really restrictive, and I was Flying solo, um, having roommates and paying my own bills since I was 15 years old. On my first job when I was 10, been flying solo since I was 15 years old. So you kind of learn a lot of self-restraint when you have an early adulthood. Perhaps a little too early, but you know, nonetheless, there's benefits to it. But the people I knew, the young men in particular, some degree the women, but the men in particular, who grew up in really restrictive environments, when they got to college and they were unsupervised, they went kind of nuts. Because they have not internalized self-restraint. So you take the lid off the pot, <coughs> the water goes boiling, right? So these people who've grown up in very restrictive environments are suddenly around women who to them are half naked, around potential for alcohol. Uh, they have no particular responsibilities. And they have no lives. Everybody wants leisure. You get it too much. It drives you mental. It drives you mental. It's like this old Chekhov play. I always remembered this. It's called I think it's called The Wood Demon. It's been a long time since I've read it. But there was a story in it. One guy saying, oh, yeah, my friend and oh, this, this guy and I we're, were stationed in some remote place in Siberia. We were stuck in, in a tent and, and doing nothing day after day after day. And one day we just looked at each other, drew our swords and started hacking at each other. Because that's what happens when you're that bored. Hamstad Police officer Peter Orn in May 2018 said, in the last two months, we can see a fairly sharp increase. We have as many event reports and notifications in the last two months as we normally had in three months before. Migration boards unit manager Carl Hedberg said, given the number of people we handle daily, we still have relatively few incidents. So that's a back and forth. Here's the other thing too, like it's one thing, if you're very, very intelligent, well-read, erudite, educated, and so on, and you're given leisure, well, you, you have the life of the mind, right? You have concepts, ideas, arguments, debates. You can write. You can do lots of cool things. Well, in Somalia, the average IQ is in the high 60s or low 70s. Sub-Saharan Africa, it's in the low 70s. That's almost, well, that's two standard deviations below the average for whites. So you're giving people a lot of leisure and not a lot of opportunities. I'm not sure that they're sitting saying, well, I'm going to really crack the problem of secular ethics in my spare time. It's a lot of restlessness, a lot of frustration, a lot of boredom, and not a lot of capacity, I would assume, to pursue wonderfully abstract intellectual stimuli where they are. In the most famous incident, an unaccompanied minor refugee, center worker Alexandra Meza, was repeatedly stabbed and brutally killed by a resident in January 2016. Now, these rapes, these attacks, these murders, if you're pro-mass migration, they're on you, right? They're on your hands. They're on your hands. The tens of thousands of young white British girls who've been raped by Pakistani Muslims, with the first incident being reported in the 1970s and being covered up since the 1980s, the torture, the rape, the wholesale selling of children to pedophiles, well, that's on you. Like, that's a very real series instead of horrifying incidents that if you're for it, that's on you. Now, if you think it's worth it, I'd probably open the chest cavity and see if you've got anything other than a palpitating void between your lungs, but uh, it's important, The, the real consequences to these policy obfuscations. Swedish municipalities have also been told to give new migrants and asylum seekers priority when it comes to housing needs amongst the vulnerable population in Sweden. In 2016, the Swedish government evicted 16 different disability associations and their residents from buildings to house newly arrived migrants. They understand. These newly arrived migrants, they got to go somewhere. You can't build that many houses that quickly. British population went up, 300,000 last year. You can't build that many houses that quickly, especially with zoning restrictions. So you just got to bump people out. And I really, really think a lot of this has to do with maintaining the property value of boomers' houses. Because when you have underpopulation, when you've got the baby bust following the baby boom, the housing prices are going to collapse. If housing prices collapse, the entire financial system heavily invested in the value of real estate collapses too. Just going to keep it afloat. It's terrible. Now well, this is the result of putting the government in charge of your money. Crazy. Corporate social services in Hasselholm. Head Carlson said, "The consequence is that other people who need housing will be without it. We are not obliged." To accommodate them. For example, people have been left in treatment homes, institutions, and care institutions instead of having their own apartment. You're kicking disabled people out to make way for this. Charity begins at home, as I was always taught when I was growing up. I think that's gone by the wayside. I think it has. What do you think? So, reported crimes for 100,000, 1950 to 2017. Well, it's been going up. And then it was going down for a while. So I'm not going to try and describe all of these as uh, assault, theft, burglary, fraud, and drug crimes. This is not including rape and murder and so on. But remember, welfare fraud is a kind of theft. Coming into the country by lying is fraud, is all of this terrible stuff. And all of these numbers are underreported because, of course, when... Non-whites commit crimes throughout the West. They are typically underreported because nobody wants to be perceived as racist, right? Look, the reality is that people from particularly the sub-Saharan African to a, lo- a, sm- a smaller degree from the Middle East, they're going to commit more crimes than, say, people from China or Japan. They're going to commit more crimes than whites. It's very simple because... East Asians have the highest IQ for that for the largest population. Then whites have a lower IQ than East Asians, and then you have uh, people from the Middle East have a lower IQ. Then there's Hispanics, by the way, and then there's American blacks, and at the bottom there is blacks from Africa. And IQ is the single biggest predictor of criminal behavior. We always think it's like poverty. Well, they're poor, so they're committing crimes. If we give them money, they won't. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's like giving people money to become taller. Doesn't work. Well, we got tall people in the basketball team, so if someone's short, we'll put him on a basketball team so he'll become taller. the cause and effect is reversed. I've had Dr. Kevin Beaver on this show to talk about all of this. Statistically, it's very, very clear. It is IQ is the single biggest predictor of criminal activity and low IQ produces both criminal activity and poverty. Of course, IQ is also the single biggest predictor of income. So... These are the facts. And this is well established. This is psychological data going back over 100 years. It is the most bedrock and foundationally proven set of facts in all of psychology. And who talks about it? It's the most necessary thing to talk about. So total sexual offenses, not counted in the last one. We can see here that rape was on a mild decline up until the... 80s and then began to go up sexual offenses are going through the roof and rape is going through the roof and this is the this is the cost you see of european snobbery towards america because europe looks at america and says well there's a lot of violent crime it's got to be because of the guns so what we're going to do is we're going to get rid of our guns in europe because you see it's the guns who, that cause the crime but it's not the guns that cause the crime It's the demographics which cause the crime. Like whites in America commit offenses like murder, the same as whites everywhere around the world, the same as in Belgium, the same as in uh, South Africa, the same as in France and England. Whites commit murder around the world at about the same rate. And blacks commit murder and, and theft and assault and so on at very high rates for reasons, again, I've gone into before. You can look at the Truth About Crime presentation on this very channel. These are just the facts. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm trying to help everyone as best I can to avoid disaster. So Europe said, well, it's guns, not demographics. So we're going to get rid of our guns, and then we're going to bring in people from the third world. Now, anybody who understood anything about anything, including, again, a century's worth of psychometric data on IQ, would understand that bringing in third worlders, in particular with reducing or eliminating gun ownership was going to cause a massive increase in crime because it was not some weird American frontier mentality or the presence in guns in America that produced crime in America, the higher levels of crime. It's demographics. It's demographics, it's demographics, it's demographics. I wish it weren't, but if wishes were horses beggars would ride, I like to live in this little cozy enclave called reality, fact, science. These numbers were entirely preventable, entirely predictable, but the left did a great job of suppressing and destroying anybody's capacity to talk openly about race and IQ matters from before the bell curve. So, total sexual offenses and rape. This is 1980, snapshots by decade up until 2017. So 1980, total sexual offenses, this is uh, crimes per 100,000, 37. Rape, 11 per 100,000. 1990, ooh, it's gone up. 37 goes to 61 total. 11 goes to 16 for rape. And then goes up again, 98 and 23. 2010, 183 per 100,000 total sexual offenses. Rape, 64. It's gone up almost six times in 30 years. Six times. Now, the feminists, of course, should be going crazy. Why is rape culture increasing? We've been nagging white men for 60 years. Why is rape culture increasing? I wonder if you could go around the world anywhere and find any culture that is not quite as hostile to rape as Western culture. Well, it's it's a mystery worthy of Inspector Clouseau and Sherlock Holmes' combined brains. Can't possibly figure it out, can we, ladies? Look at 2017. Total sexual offenses. 219 per 100,000, up from 37 in 1980. Rape has gone up to 73 per 100,000 from 11. Now we're talking almost seven times. And again, it's not a full decade even, 2010 to 2017. Sexual offenses, rape going through the roof. The cause is clear. It's not that hard to figure out. Where are the women who are the feminists who are focused on decrying rape culture and protecting women from assault. Women don't feel safe in Sweden anymore. Who's talking about why? Have we given up completely on caring about facts? Crime epidemic. Now, while data related to crime, immigration, and ethnicity was collected prior to the European migrant crisis and mass migration into Sweden in recent years, social... And economic ostracism has been used to suppress the collection and publication of inconvenient information. I will give you a brief scientific analysis of how Sweden is dealing with the problem of ethnicity and crime. Are you ready? La, 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 la. That's it. That's their best argument. They are denying facts for the sake of political correctness, which is getting people raped and killed. pen is mightier than the sword. Two syllables are more powerful than two barrels. The Swedish National Council for Crime Prevention and Great Joke Temptation of Mine called BRA, is representative of the ongoing attempts to suppress essential information. In 2000, BRA released a report which claimed that immigrants accounted for 42% of gang rapes in Sweden. However, in April 2018, BRA announced That it would not collect further data on the possible ethnic or migrant background of criminal suspects claiming that doing so would not help its mission. See, facts about crime don't help BRA in its mission to help prevent crime. Oh, It burns, like it literally burns my brain to to, to look at this kind of stuff. How how can facts about danger help you prevent help you avoid danger? Bra press officer Monica Lundegaard said, gathering such data would require a completely different study. And then the question would probably not apply to the development of vulnerability to crime, which is the focus of this mission. I don't know what that means. The point is, I don't know what that means, and neither does you, and I suspect neither does dear Monica. Several public criminal databases have also come under heavy scrutiny from the Swedish government, with one being shut down by Swedish authorities in December under the country's Personal Data Act. And another legal database had its access limited to only lawyers, journalists, and professionals. I guess the lawyers, journalists, and professionals in Sweden are so powerfully committed to speaking truth to power that they can be trusted with this kind of sensitive information. Don't worry, they'll they'll shut up. See, this is insane. The data is not what I want. So let's just get rid of the data. What do you think? What, what do you think? I'm hungry. The yogurt expired four years ago, but I'm going to eat it anyway, because that's what I prefer. Well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Now, again, because ethnic and racial IQ differences, and because crime differences among IQ bands have been suppressed, people don't have an answer as to why certain groups commit more crimes relative to other groups. They don't have the answer. And because they don't have the answer, all they can do is repeatedly scream white racism. See, if you deny race and IQ differences, if you deny IQ and crime differences, you don't solve the problem of racism, you understand. All you do is transfer racism to white people in general, in white countries, right, which is I mean, only whites can be racist according to this ridiculous formulation, which is, of course, a hugely racist statement. You don't solve the problem. of People say, well, if we start talking about blacks having more crime and, and lower IQ on average, that's going to make people racist. You, you haven't solved the problem of racism by denying this information. You've just transferred it to white people. Or what's even worse in some ways is then people look at blacks and say, well, maybe they're lazy. Maybe they're just are innately violent it's like no it's it's all explainable by science you don't need to hate anyone you don't need to have anyone in contempt you don't need to think of superiority or you don't need to think of any of this stuff you just need to look at the facts and then we can actually start solving problems rather than turning this massive blame thrower on everyone it's ridiculous help people stop avoiding facts in September 2015, following a number of sexual assaults, I'm sure you read about these, by migrant men at the Free Youth Music Festival in Stockholm, Swedish police were instructed to restrict releasing descriptions of suspects, which included nationality and race. Want biped? Can't give description. Come on. I mean, the one if you're looking for someone, the first thing you need to find out is gender and race. The first two things, I guess. Gender and race. Because they're, they're important when it comes to finding people. The police memo. The, now, the memo was leaked, so this was not for public consumption. And again, this is a translation. The police are sometimes criticized for reporting on people's skin color. We are perceived as racist. As the police are not racist, nor should be perceived as such, from now on, please apply these instructions. <sighs> yeah, I just don't, I don't want to be perceived as racist by reporting facts. So we'll just stop reporting facts. Boy, postmodernism has a lot to answer for. Police press officer Wolf Gillander said, We've made a balance on when to use this information and when it is not used. One should not routinely describe the appearance or ethnicity to not be under suspicion of racism. In February 2018, Swedish police officer Peter Springer described gang rape as a new trend and a cultural phenomenon, which was the result of the last 12 to 15 years of immigration during a lecture. And he said, There are also ethnic Swedes engaged in group violence, but not in the same numbers as foreign-born offenders. Hmm. So he's saying that a group from a culture which has in the past used rape as a weapon of war and who do not have a habit of sexual restraint nor any particular exposure to Western values of consent and universality of uh, human rights and respect for women. Hi. This guy points out a basic fact. Springer's comments were reported to the Bergslagen police who promised to conduct an internal investigation claiming that such comments could harm the public confidence in the police. <laughs> no, 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 no. What harms the public confidence in police is not reporting the ethnicity of someone you're trying to find because you're afraid of being called racist. That, that's what... Not, not reporting on facts, not informing people of basic dangers. Cat on loose is one thing. Tiger on loose is another Well we we, we can't talk about it being a tiger or a cat. Well technically they're both cats. In the family of cats. Maybe the cat is stripy. Oh well, let's just send out the Vegas performers to find them. Secretary General of Sweden's Law Society, Anna Ramberg, said It is remarkable. All civil servants and most policymakers must have better judgment and adhere to our form of government and the value base it expresses. These statements are almost racist. See how people focus on statements. Statements. How about facts? See, it's kind of tough to say that facts are racist. So you have to call people racist rather than examining the facts. It's a big bait and switch, you understand, right? On March 20th, 2018, Swedish newspaper Expressen broke with the establishment trend and published a report on adjudicated gang rape cases from 2016 and 2017, noting that 42 of the 43 alleged rapists were migrants or descendants of migrants. 42 of the 43. That seems relevant (laughs) to facts, but math, you see is totally racist. Now, of course, what people say, they say this in the States all the time, and I've dealt with this before, but I'm just touching it briefly here. So they say, well, the white Swedes, they commit as much crime as the blacks, but the police only focus on the blacks because they're racist. Well, I don't know what it is in Sweden, but certainly this is the big claim in America. It's completely false. It's completely false. Because there's something called the Crime Victimization Survey, where you're, phone a bunch of people up and say well you're the victim of the crime the gender the race and nature of the activity and so on and it matches arrest records almost perfectly so no it's not a matter of races and can you imagine you, i shouldn't laugh i said horrendous let's say you you get mugged by some white guy and then you go to the police and the police uh, give you a lineup of black guys what are you going to say no i said it was a white guy but you give me all these brothers to to put in the you know that's wrong it's the wrong wrong race idiots It wouldn't happen. It doesn't happen. Now, these offenders, 42 of the 43 alleged rapists were migrants or descendants of migrants, the offenders were 21 years old on average with 13 offenders uh, offenders under 18 years old. 14 of the 43 individuals charged had been convicted of prior crimes in Sweden. Expressen, this is the newspaper, found that only 29 of the men were jailed. On average, receiving a three-year sentence. Hmm. Ten were sentenced to youth care, which reportedly will develop a care plan to turn them away from crime. And two received only community service for their role in the gang rapes. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Just sort of off the top of my head. (laughs) Always a safe thing to do in these situations, right? But just off the top of my head, like in white cultures as a whole, men are remarkably deferential to women. Sometimes a little too much, I think, but women combined with the power of the state is a terrifying thing. As Socrates says, woman becomes man's equal, therefore she becomes his superior. And that's because of the power of the state and deferral to female voters and so on. So I think that because men are generally, in in Western cultures, men are generally very deferential towards women. Because not arranged marriages, you got to woo women, you got to win women, and men propose, and women dispose, and women choose the form and nature of reproduction, and so on. So men are very deferential to women, and this is chivalry, and this is giving women the vote despite not subjecting them to the draft, and all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of deference towards women, and that gives women a sense of vanity as a whole. I think that they think that this deference is also going to be shown to them by every other culture known to man. Spoiler, it's not. It's really not. On May 7th, 2018, Swedish newspaper Aftonbladet also broke ranks and reported their own study showing that of 112 men and boys found guilty of gang rape, 82 were born outside Sweden. While gang rape statistics only account for a small percentage of overall rape cases, Aftonbladet reported that gang rape convictions increased from 11 in 2013 to 29 in 2017. How many rapes are worth it? That's just my question. How many rapes are worth it for you not to be called a racist? It's just one letter difference. You understand? It's a pretty important letter. (laughs) Sorry, I'm, I'm 12. Bra researcher Stina Holmberg said, We've not done any studies on this, but the numbers do not surprise me. In our study in 2005, it was five times more common to be suspected of rape as a foreigner compared to the one born in Sweden with two Swedish parents. It is obviously more common among young immigrant boys, but there is a disappearing small part of all who commit this type of crime. The 43 sentence can be relied on in relation to the 163,000 people who applied for asylum in Sweden during the record year 2015. I absolutely understand the argument that you should redo the study, and it is not impossible that it will be. So I think it is enough with the studies that exist. The important thing is to start an integration work to get the young guys who arrived at how Swedish society looks and works. Criminology. Professor, professor Emeritus Henrik Tham spoke out against the collection of immigrant crime data, claiming that such data would simply be used to close the borders rather than reduce crime. Boy, talk about a false dichotomy. you think he would have studied that in Logic 101. And he said... The goal of crime policy is to reduce total crime and increase security, not to reduce group violence by young men from country X. It affects the crime level very little. My god, you've got to be well educated to say such ridiculously stupid things, right? Sorry, Enrique, got to call you out. We're a long way from Ibsen. So, come on. Come on, come on, come on. If particular ethnicities from a particular country, let's just You know, pull something out of the Gryffindor hat and say Somalia. If they commit crimes at a vastly higher rate than, say, white Swedes, then restricting immigration from Somalia will reduce the crime rate. That's not hard. I'm not a professor emeritus. But see these little digits, these phalanges? I can count. And therefore, it's not a great mystery to me. (sighs) If people are coming from a particular ethnicity and culture, committing more crimes and closing the borders will reduce crime. You may not agree with the morals of it, but the data is pretty hard to argue with, unless you're mental. Malmo University criminologist, Mann asserted that the massive overrepresentation of migrants in Sweden's crime statistics was due to structural racism, claiming, quote, many people who come from other countries and living in deprived areas feel that they are discriminated against. What are the breadcrumbs that lead from feeling discriminated against to participating in the gang rape of a helpless woman? He looked at me funny. I saw his head off. I feel discriminated against. I'm going to... Oh, God. Oh, here's a hint, too. When people don't have a good argument, when people are crazy, Peter Joseph, then what they do is they use the word structural rather than make an argument. Is voluntary free market associations, are they not violent? Nah, that's fine. I can just put the phrase structural violence together. And then I don't have to prove anything because structural. You understand? It's like you go to a doctor with a terrible infection and he says, no, it's okay, I can cure it by saying the words structural infection. Structural getting rid of infection. Structural racism. Do you have to prove racism from any particular individual? See, racism is thinking negatively of another ethnic group without any data. But that's wrong. If you say, I don't know, redheaded people are all thieves, well, there's no correlation between having red hair and being a thief. That's wrong. Where there are differences, it's not racist to say there are differences. Ah, There are lots of exceptions. I get it. But we're talking about ethnicities as a whole within a country. There's kind of a blending. I know a tall woman does not repudiate the basic fact that women are in general shorter than men it's not sexist to say that women are in general shorter than men again unless you're mental <sighs> professor of criminology researching immigrations overrepresentation in crime see there's that long title at the very end of civilization <sighs> this is yuri Saranecki, oh, I'm sure I got that wrong. I tried, people. I really did. I looked up a bunch of stuff. So <laughs> hard. When the computer says it, I don't even know if it's true. So this person said, there is an actual over-representation of immigrants in crime statistics, and it depends mainly on the conditions they live in Sweden as class relationships. Ah, so he's a Marxist or Marxist-ish person. He goes on to say, or she goes on to say, I think it's he. An additional factor... That can explain a small part of the overrepresentation that exists. Is that they are discriminated against in different ways by the judicial system, and it cannot be excluded that the police are more likely to investigate the crimes. See, it just cannot be excluded. Yeah, I can I can make up any kind of causality if you don't have to prove anything. Yeah, it, can, it cannot be excluded that I've just been replaced by a giant yelly speckle-headed robot. C- it cannot be excluded. Do you have to prove anything? No, don't have any proof. No, just I'm just saying it can't be excluded. What does it mean to say there's an overrepresentation of immigrants in crime statistics? What does overrepresentation mean? You know, if if 5 red-headed guys commit a murder and there are only, you know, 10 murders in the country and they're only 1% of the population, what does it mean to say that they're overrepresented? They're actually accurately counted. Accurately counted it has nothing to do with overrepresentation. Now, again, if you have this fantasy that all races, all ethnicities are the same, Well, then why would blacks, for instance, be uh, arrested more and go to jail more? Well, it's got to be racism. But if you have this fantasy of radical, a radical lack of human biodiversity in groups that were separated by tens of thousands of years and wildly divergent environments and landscapes all the way from Siberia to sub-Saharan Africa to North Africa to Europe to North America, all of these particular groups. Wildly separated, wildly divergent, wildly different, wildly different environments. That it affected huge numbers of their physical attributes, but it had absolutely no effect on the brain whatsoever. The brain has a magic shield around it that means it's completely excluded from evolutionary pressures. Come on. It's our most expensive organ. It's 3% of our body mass takes a third of our energy to run. It's the most susceptible to evolutionary forces. But the supposed Secular leftists are absolutely and ridiculously anti-science when it comes to human biodiversity, and it will be the end of everything. Sweden's Justice Minister Morgan Johansson said, Sweden's earlier figures and numerous international studies all show much the same thing. Minority groups are often overrepresented in crime statistics, but when controlling for socioeconomic factors, this, the overrepresentation of minority groups, disappears almost entirely now i know i've heard this before as have you some people say well it's single motherhood single motherhood produces more criminals and that's the issue or it's poverty people who are poor commit more crimes well it's not true at all i mean if you look at the poorest area in america then we're talking about the appalachian uh, region and very very low crime rate in the appalachian region lower than most urban centers and so on no it's Sorry, like, I mean, it's its presence of young men, particularly unmarried young men, and it's presence of ethnicities, right? Blacks in particular, Hispanics to a small degree, whites to a smaller degree, East Asians to a smaller degree, and so on, right? I mean, it it's easy to, to look at a poor neighborhood and say, well, they're committing crimes because of poverty, but it's not always low IQ, produces poverty and criminality. And sadly, tragically, horrifyingly, as yet, although the Chinese are working on it like crazy, we don't have a way to change IQ? We don't know how to change it. Other than by having smart people have more babies, we don't know. Morgan, Justice Minister, goes on to say, the common denominator of those who commit sexual crimes is that they are men. It seems that the moderates are pulling out of talking about the men's role in this and instead just want to blame the immigrants. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. If you remember... Going back just a little ways. It was over 99% of the migrants were men. Huh. So, men from crime-intensive demographics come to Sweden. And, and most, almost all of them are men, right? Almost all of the migrants are men. Next thing you know, men seem to be significantly represented in rapes and sexual crimes. I don't know what these people do all, all day other than snort some brain-fogging unreality juice. I don't know. Moderate party politician Thomas Tube, Tube sorry, Tube, says, it is a betrayal to the victims to actively rule out, also looking at the foreign background of the perpetrators. It is obvious that BRA does not dare to do this because they lack government support. It is normal in other countries to get as much knowledge as possible to take action. In Denmark, for example, it has led to a Red Cross sexual education program becoming mandatory for all young new arrivals. I do not understand why we continue to sweep difficult issues under the carpet. women, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I don't know, Thomas. but uh I don't think an education program is is going to sort things out because you see, if an education program would simply turn a rapist into a non-rapist, why are there prisons? Why are the courts doesn't matter? put out your oven mitts and you'll be fine. Swedish lawyer Elizabeth Fritz said, the rape reports are increasing and at my desk and I have many rapes and group violence. The majority of the suspects I meet in these cases have a foreign background. Bra also has no number because such statistics do not exist. Facts break the narrative. The left wants to import third worlders because third worlders vote for the left. It's not that complicated. The inconvenient fact that a lot of people get raped, abused, murdered, and assaulted, well, it's unfortunate from the left's perspective, but they want power. And immigration is how they get it. And they've lost the war of ideas, so they just want to win through demographics. Well, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few, few eggs, right? It's <laughs> Just people getting raped. But, you know, they get their power. Funny, though, the omelet never seems to actually materialize. Elizabeth goes on to say, if we are to work preventively and stop rape, it's time to find out how the perpetrator looks. We must take the matter seriously and dare to lift the lid. How else will we fight these terrible and tough rapes committed to all victims? It is the perpetrator that is the problem. I will proceed with the question because this is not acceptable. Sweden Democrats MP Adam Martinin said, irresponsible levels of immigration lead to crime. Other political parties' indulgence of such policies have enriched organized criminal gangs. And again, this stuff has been worked on. You've got Arthur Jensen working on it. You had, of course, uh, Charles Murray working on it and uh, Hernstein working on it. So many people have worked on, on bringing this knowledge of ethnicity, criminality, IQ differences to the forefront, you really have no excuse to not know it anymore. You really have no excuse to not know it anymore. In May 2018, the Swedish National Council for Crime Prevention, Bra, announced that the recent political climate made them reconsider their decision not to publish data on the relationship between migration and crime. The earliest additional information will be available... In 2019. Oh, yes, that's right. Bra is going to finally spill the beans just after the election. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's so transparent. I mean, it's so transparent. We'll give you the facts right after we elect the people who are, con- are going to continue the disastrous policy. The Swedish National Council for Crime Prevention said, and I quote, it can now be noted that the demand in the social debate on updated information on the relationship between crimes, on the one hand, and dissent and migration, on the other hand, is so strong that the authority needs to consider the possibilities again. Show me the data. Just get the data. Get facts. Stop talking about poverty. Poverty is produced by crime. Crime is produced by IQ issues in general. In January 2018, Bosnian prosecutor Goran Glamokanen sorry, sorry, reported that Sweden is the number one market in Europe for illegal weapons, including grenades and fully automatic rifles originating from the Balkan region. And, he said, according to the information we have now, the Swedish market is the most attractive in Europe It is because of the high demand. Huh. So people want illegal weapons in Sweden. Including grenades and fully automatic rifles. I want to lift the the lid on those mosques. Just, you know, see what's in the basement. Why? Because it's an invasion. It's young males. From an aggressive ideology. An expansionist ideology. And there's a lot of demand in Sweden for illegal weapons. Grenades, fully automatic rifles, you understand, right? Well, the Swedish government is fully prepping for civil war and has informed the people pretty much of that. We'd rather have a civil war than talk about facts. Rather have a civil war than talk about facts. Isn't that astounding? The Swedish National Forensic Center reported that hand grenades were used in in connection with 43 crimes and the rate of grenade use has increased 140% since 2014. Additional reports have suggested that hand grenades are easily accessible in Sweden and can be purchased for only £91 or $123 each. It's not a lot of your welfare check when you think about it. Yeah. You know when you have massive accumulations of rapes and huge battalions of illegal weaponry and hand grenades coming into your country? Anybody... Want to vote for a change? Anybody want to reconsider? Anyone? What is it going to take? Well, of course, you know, what happens so often, this is all the way back to Rome, ancient Rome, when the government makes promises that it can't possibly keep, when it makes promises to the elderly, when it makes promises for healthcare, when it makes promises for pensions that it can't possibly keep, what does it do? Does it admit it can't keep it? No. Doesn't admit it can't keep those problems. What does it do? Goes to war. Goes to war. You run out of money, you go to war. That's the way the governments work. And this is why every time people want more than the government has, right, and the government goes into debt, makes unfunded liability promises way down the road, keeps peace among public sector unions by promising them the moon and a half down the road. Whenever you want more from your government than you're willing to pay in taxes, debt accumulates, unfunded liabilities accumulate, and you go to war every single time. Now, of course, in Europe, you can't really go to war with each other anymore nuclear weapons and all of that so you got to import the war i hate to look at it i mean i'm, I'm really i to be i mean perfectly frank i'm really a torn of two minds part of me is like well idiocy has to suffer and the other part of me is well they're kind of propagandized and they haven't been told the truth and so what am i trying to do I'm trying to give you the truth <laughs> gonna give you the truth whether you like it or not whether you like me or not it's what you need The National Forensic Center investigated 211 total reports of explosives in 2017, compared to only 88 in 2011, with 60 of the cases involving the now illegal bangers fireworks, which has an effect comparable to a hand grenade. Man, they take fireworks seriously in Sweden. So wait, I'm sorry. The word illegal is there. But if the word is illegal, if the word illegal is there, how can these bangers' fireworks be used in crimes? <laughs> it's almost like making something illegal doesn't really matter. National Forensic Center explosive expert Anna Nielsen said, Yes, we have a marked increase in the number of explosive reports. It can be difficult to explain why, but we see a clear increase in hand grenades that is relatively new. As far as hand grenades are concerned, Sweden seems to be In a small special situation that we have so many other countries have it too, but not to this extent. Huh. We're taking a lot of people in from the third world, much more so per capita than other European nations. Oddly enough, we also have a greater problem with violence. (sighs) (laughs) Who can solve these problems? Other than people who can put two and two together and make four as opposed to putting two and two together and making racist. According to the Swedish Crime Prevention Council, the numbers of fatal acts of violence occurring within the country in 2017 were the highest ever recorded by the agency. The number of emergency calls to police and ambulances from people speaking foreign languages, mostly Arabic and Somali, also rose by 34% in 2017. So you pay taxes to the government for police services that don't arrest people, for an army that doesn't protect your borders, and to provide services to people who are ordering hand grenades to roll into your house. Boy, can you imagine how dangerous it would be to have a society without a government? Boy, you'd really be in danger. Of course, there wouldn't be anybody to force you to pay for your own self-destruction. But fantasy danger, well, let's just talk about that, right? In January 2018, Swedish Security Service Director General Anders Thornberg reported that only a few years ago the country was worried about 200 possible terrorists or extremists not of the free speech kind within its borders. Now it has over 3000 on its radar for evaluation. We have never seen something like this before in my career in the service. We have a new normal. Why is it normal? Kick people out. There's no EU army. Yet. <sighs> Here's another lengthy End of Civilization job title. Sapo, Ideologically Motivated Suspects Unit Deputy Director Frederick Halstrom. Approximately other, every other day comes a threat of an attack. Defense College researcher Peter Hellengren commented on Sweden shockingly becoming a base for the recruitment of terrorists and extremists strongly criticizing political correctness, and I quote, I believe the activism that existed against both the security and those who tried to lift the seriousness of these issues. This meant that the threshold became higher for both politicians and others to enter this area. You risk being identified as racist in a way that you could not see in other European countries. There, this question was as uncontroversial as the importance of combating Nazism and right-wing extremism. But in Sweden, it took a long time before discussing jihadism in the same way that we discussed Nazism for a long time. Oh, Jihadis are more dangerous than Nazis, because everybody hates Nazis, except the three Nazis in the West, whereas jihadis uh, are often protected by people in power. When discussing the hundreds of Islamic radicals from Sweden who had gone to the Middle East to fight for terrorist organizations like the Islamic State, only to later return to Sweden, Swedish Minister for Culture and Democracy, Alice Ba-Kunk, commented, they need to be channeled back into our democratic society. Ah, It's weird. I mean, when did women learn, like, have no ability to say no? In May 2018, the European Journal on Criminal Policy and Research published a study showing that young men in Sweden are twice as likely to be victims of a deadly shooting than other European countries. Swedish men between 15 and 29 years of age were 10 times more likely to be fatally shot than their German counterparts and six times more likely than those in the United Kingdom. Shot! How many people need to get shot before we start talking about human biodiversity? Just, Just curious. What's the number? What's the number? How many people had to get killed before we started rejecting National Socialism or Nazism? How many people had to get killed before we really rejected communism? Well, the number seems to be more than 100 million because there are still a lot of communists around and they're pretty open about it. Anti-fascism. Nah, no, you're not anti-fascists. You're not anti fa, You're pro-communists. that has been around since 1933. All right. Yeah, we're going there. We're going to the no-go zones. In 2017, the Swedish police released a report titled Vulnerable Areas 2017, which identified 61 total no-go zones, or lawless areas within Sweden, with 23 of the identified areas viewed as high-risk and particularly vulnerable. Vulnerable! What is this? Girl-friendly? Oh, they're vulnerable areas. It's like, well, first of all, they're not no-go zones because there's lots of people there. There's just no-go no go zones for Swedish culture and Swedish law. And they're not lawless at all. I would imagine they have various flavors of totalitarian Sharia law in there. So that's just kind of important to understand. I'm just, I'm trying to translate Swedish to sane. You know, it's a bit of a challenge, but these are just words that need to be. Right, they are uh, areas of... Mostly en- enemy combatants, right? Because there's lots of weapons in there. You can't go there. They throw rocks at you. They attack you. The police, they, uh, they attack firemen, and they, they stone ambulances. They are uh, areas of enemy incursions of enemy combatants uh, for the most part. But, you know, might be a little bit too many facts for that. The report in 2017 suggested that these areas included approximately 200 criminal networks with an estimated 5,000 criminal participants. Oh, this guy's got a great name. So, Project Myrald Coordinator, Inspector, and part-time Dungeons & Dragons NPC, Gunnar Applegren said, Criminal gangs can be found throughout Stockholm in all suburbs. The common denominator with gang members is that they all live in the same area and engage in crime. It is what links them together. Criminals in a specific area form a network. Stand back, everybody. Gunnar has the goods. He is telling you right up front, bravely and concisely, that criminal gangs are gangs of criminals. Get it? Mind blown. The 23 highest risk areas were described as being, quote, by a social problem and criminal presence that leads to a widespread unwillingness to participate in the judicial process and difficulties for the police to fulfill its mission. The 32 serious areas were defined as places where criminals have an impact on the local community, but have not yet graduated will to take power and control the local community. The report also highlighted six alarming areas which are particularly vulnerable, to further erosion of law and order. See, again, there's law and order there. There's lots of people there. It's just not part of your country anymore because you can't enforce your laws and opposite laws are being enforced that would be illegal under your legal system. Just try setting up some group that says, I really, really want to replace the existing government with my own legal system. And, and just see how how you, how you do. Just see how you do. National police intelligence head, Linda Staff said in these areas, criminals rule. In the past, they would shoot people in the leg to intimidate, whereas now they aim for the head to kill. Hijad. Amidst increasing attacks on Swedish police officers, including a recent bombing of a Helsingborg police station, a recent report claimed that 80% of Swedish police officers have considered quitting their jobs. Boy, You know, given the movie cliches, must be pretty alarming to be a Swedish police officer this close to retirement right about now. Swedish police sergeant Peter Larsson said, We have a major crisis. Many colleagues have chosen to leave. We will not be able to investigate crimes. We have no time to travel to the call-outs we are set to do. A worsened working environment means that many colleagues are now looking around for something else. Ah, that's the death spiral, right? who wants to be a police officer in these situations where you're under increasing danger and where, of course, if you're a white police officer and you shoot or act in a self-defensory manner towards a black suspect or whatever it is, well, you could get the full-on Mike Brown treatment, right? You could get the full-on, well, you're just a racist cop and your life gets destroyed. You might get charged with murder. You might get thrown in in jail. I mean, who knows, right? So you're being called out to very dangerous no-go zone areas. You're being called out to deal... With people of a different ethnicity, but you're kind of hamstrung. Of course, that's the whole point. The criminals want to, you know. Any time your particular narrative is in accordance with exactly what the crime gangs want, you might want to take a little bit of look, look, see in your ethical mirror and figure out who you're actually serving. It may not be so much the upstairs values as the downstairs predations. The police sergeant says the violence against us in the police and the paramedics and firefighters has become much worse. We're Talking about stone-throwing, violence, fires, it has become much worse in recent years. (sighs) Ostra Goinge resident and moderate-party politician Patrick Arberg said, We currently have no police presence at all. Our municipal police are sent to Malmo and we are leaving now. We know that crime will increase. Swedish criminology professor Jerzy Sarnecki says... The police's resources are extremely limited, so some cases will be allowed to lie dormant. We have a situation where we have seen a sharp increase in very serious violent crimes, so many of the resources go to those crimes, and then the others will be prioritized. Huh, interesting. Take in hundreds of thousands of people, throw them on welfare, uh, and and have them consume untold amounts of money. Oh, let's... Give them education in their own language. Let's deal with their dental issues. Let's give them free health care and so on. Strangely enough, we don't seem to have a lot of money left over for the police. Invite a crime-intensive group on average into your country. Give them huge amounts of money. Take money away from expanding police presence. Huh. Disaster? Recipe? Let's get together, shall we? Moderate party politician Mikhail Siderbrat said, The situation in our areas of exclusion has deteriorated. The gangs have taken over and the police have had to retreat. Swedish law no longer applies there. It is the responsibility of the state to maintain the law, especially the police, but the police today do not have the numerical ability to maintain public order. Right. Well, of course, um, they do. But the optics won't be very nice, right? Right because they'll have to go and and clean out these no-go zones and they'll have to deport people and they'll have to find people and and there'll be a lot of problems. Appeasement. Europeans never seem to learn that particular lesson, do they? Do we, I suppose, sometimes. The situation in many of these no-go zones has become so dangerous that many political figures have called for the Swedish armed forces to be deployed in an attempt to restore law and order. (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry. They're this close to assimilating, everyone. This close. This close to cultural enrichment. Boom. I just got enriched all over the wall. Moderate party politician Mikhail Siedebrat said, it, it is absolutely necessary to do something because these gangs are like cancerous tumors in our country. And it is urgent. My absolute belief is that we, the nation of Sweden, must declare war on criminal gangs. Or deport people. So, so, I don't know. Or or maybe not, not bring in more of this analogy. On March 1st, 2018, the Swedish Crime Prevention Council released a report titled Perceptions of the Justice System in Socially Disadvantaged. Areas, which tells you it's complete bullshit because the moment they start using disadvantaged as opposed to really violent and pretty repressive of women and full of lots of people marrying underage cousins. Which shows that half of the population in these increasingly lawless areas, approximately 500,000 people, believe criminals deter people from calling the police, appearing as witnesses, moving freely and intervening when witnessing criminal activity. It just reminds me of something Here's a little share. When I was 11 or 12, a friend of mine and I were standing in front of the apartment building I lived in, in Toronto. And an older guy, probably 16 or 17, taller, pretty big guy, kind of cornered us. He was Palestinian. And he was telling us all about the crime gangs he knew and all of the contacts he knew and all the people he could get killed. I remember saying very clearly, oh, the people I could get killed, I can get this person killed. And I just remember thinking, well, that... That seems a little foreign to me. <laughs> you know, like foreign to decency. I just remember this really, really vivid incident for me. Uh, I, thought, I didn't think about it for years. But it's coming back to me now. Respondents also reported fear of repercussions against themselves and their family members for non-compliance with alternative local systems, such as the mosque. Yeah. It's not a... Oppositional legal system that excludes itself from your legal system, it's just an alternative local system. You know, like not paying taxes is just an alternative form of paying your taxes. (sighs) Perceptions of the justice system in socially disadvantaged areas report in all of the areas we studied such close cooperation with the police is perceived as a deviation from the norm since silence has become an established norm among certain groups of residents so you understand that they're, they're going the opposite way from integration right this is an outright rejection of swedish legal norms and standards and history and culture and language and work ethic and it's complete they're not it's not that they're not integrating they're They're going the opposite way, you understand. They're setting up parallel and oppositional legal systems and keeping out Swedish law. It's another country all over your country. And an enemy country in many ways. Journalist Judith Bergman said, the local criminal gangs even tell the residents to call them instead of the police to minimize the presence of police in the area. These alternative systems appear to handle all crimes that have to do with reputation and honor, but also deal with other crimes such as blackmail and theft. Relationship issues, including divorce and child custody, are also often handled by the local mosque. Hmm. A lot of men in America would line up for that, I think. This report goes on to say, a social welfare officer describes a woman in one of her cases who said, yes, you can talk about human rights, children's rights, women's rights, but that applies to all you other people. It doesn't apply to me. Naturally, the feminists went in and rescued her. No. more goes on to say, the report, in addition, power relationships within extended families influence the advice and the possible solutions. In some cases, advice from imams and other local leaders have been ignored by one of the parties. The weaker position of women and the fact that certain families do not even allow a mediator, for example, in the case of domestic violence, has also been noted. We may have found this fabled culture that oppresses women. Good thing the feminists are all over it. God, they're horrible. The report goes on to say the material shows that alternative systems are often decidedly patriarchal, which results in certain men being benefited. A few interview subjects who work with domestic violence have numerous examples where women, children, or men without a position of power have been treated unfairly by decisions. One hears especially of women who are not allowed to divorce, even in situations where they are abused. In other examples, divorce is granted, but only for those who can pay. The difficulty in obtaining a divorce in the alternative system becomes a problem, above all for women. I guess I'm just jaded enough by my knowledge of divorce and its effect on the West, particularly in America, that part of me is like, hmm, that's terrible, dot, dot, dot. A recent domestic violence case highlighted the influence of alternative systems on Sweden's own judicial system. Two judges in Solna found that a man accused of beating his wife was innocent because he came from a good family, and that it was not uncommon for women to falsely claim they have been assaulted. Hmm. Dot, dot, dot. The judges also noted that the woman's allegations of abuse were less credible because she first reported it to the police instead of handling it within the Muslim community. Wait, did she try to integrate? Shut her down! Prosecutor Josephine Dölkvist said, I did that one right. I think that you have made a remarkably incorrect assessment of evidence in this goal. You have not applied the evidence assessment rules and principles used in Swedish courts. You have founded the judgment on assumptions and prejudices. It is directly contradictory to what is in Swedish law. Huh. Directly contradictory to what is in Swedish law. So what are you going to do? Oh, big tough government? Throw people in jail for hate crimes, don't you? Speaking facts about Islam can get you thrown in jail. You've got no problem taking down the doors of 67-year-old grandmothers in Sweden, do you? Tough, tough government. What are you going to do? Bow down, of course. Former president of the Swedish Bar Association, Bengt Invarsson, said, This is one of the most prejudiced and strange judgments I have read. Yeah, not an argument. Despite endless evidence and reports highlighting the existence of no-go zones, Prime Minister Stefan Lovine Does that rhyme with bovine? I think it does. What an interesting coincidence. Here I'm going to wrap. No, I'm not. Denies their existence. He says, he burbles like a babbling foggy brook. He says, we also have problems with crime, organized crime in Sweden, shootings. But it is not like you have these no-go zones. We have dealt with it. I am dealing with it every day. (laughs) Which is it? I have dealt with it or I am dealing with it every day. You can't say they don't exist and I'm dealing with them every day. Allocating more resources to the police, more policemen trained, more resources to the security police, tougher law on crime, tougher law on terrorism, deporting terrorism. Checkbox of random phrases from idiot politicians will not save you. So there are reports about all of these coming directly from his police force. But he's like, oh, they don't exist. Let's play hide and go seek. I'm going to cover my eyes and say, you can't find me. Ah, Everybody should have a callous forming Manual labor job at least once in their life. Some job where a body part hurts at the end of the day. These abstract sitting in cushy offices and the veal fattening pens of fluorescent lit porn set cubicles. They don't seem to have any contact with reality because they've never dealt with reality in a direct way. It's always been manipulation and people and sophistry and la blah, 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 Try ignoring reality when running a Pionja drill in the northern wilderness to try and find gold on the bedrock. I did it for a long time. It does not respond to sophistry very well. It's just the kind of basic thing that you have to do in life at some point, I hope. (sighs) Sweden Democrats' leader, Jimmy Axen said, The police themselves have confirmed the existence of no-go zones for the entire world to see. The statements of the prime minister are nothing short of a classic example of fake news. In March 2018, Swedish journalist Anna Clara Bunkel was confronted, called a damn whore, and told to go away when she attempted to film in the Stockholm no-go zone suburb of Rinkby. Two years prior, an Australian Channel 9 television crew was physically assaulted for filming in the same area. In response to the rise of these non-existent no-go zones, the Swedish government recently announced a 10-year plan to spend 2.2 billion kronor, equivalent to 187.3 million pounds per year, in order to combat segregation in vulnerable areas. Oh, the buzzwords means it's never going to work. So, the Swedish government is spending on a problem that the Swedish leader is denying. Excellent leadership there, brother. I'm taking that name back. The press release, the strategy aims at reducing the gap in society in the long run and creating a safe Sweden that holds together in the government's work towards segregation, five priority areas are highlighted, housing, education, the labor market, democracy, and civil society, as well as crime. Notably absent, I would point out, borders, control over your own country, control over your own laws. In addition to this new program, the Swedish government announced an increase in police funding of 7.1 billion kronor between 2018 and 2020, a special allotment of 55 million kronor over the next two years to fast-track new arrivals to establish themselves in the labor market, and an extra 500 million kronor for the support of extra services in municipalities and county councils. See, nothing says economic productivity like having to spend millions and millions of kronor to help people... Get jobs in the first place. In the continuing story of cultural enrichment, that is Sweden's relationship with the third world, Sweden says, would you like welfare money? Would you like freedom? Would you like some chilly temperatures? Would you like loganberries? Would you like meatballs? And in return, well, some of the migrants say, would you like a complete lack of personal boundaries? So cultural enrichment in Sweden has shown up in this way. This year, the organizers of Sweden's largest music festival announced that they were no longer hold The annual event, after numerous reports of sexual assaults occurring in 2016 and 2017, approximately 40 young girls complained of being harassed or abused by foreign men in 2016, and at least 11 sexual assaults occurred, occurred during the festival in 2017. Turns out, uh, it's actually kind of tough to enforce. Uh, female boundaries, unless you have a willing and compliant male population who wants to respect those boundaries. Because as far as I remember it from the movies that I've seen, when women are attacked, some of them become ninjas. Actually, no, they just fold and shut down the whole festival. Now, Swedish feminist Emma Kanikari proposed a solution to the epidemic of sexual assaults at music festivals in 2017, claiming that she would, quote, start a rock festival by and for women banning men from attending until they, quote, stop raping. Despite announcing her intentions, well, no such. Festival has been announced. See, funny story, it turns out that this feminist, rather than complaining and shaming, would actually have to do something uh, in order to make this festival going. So, yeah, that hasn't really occurred. Now, an open-air swimming bath in migrant heavy Malmo recently eliminated gender-separate areas to encourage transgender bathers. But found very few transgender people made use of the facilities, with many men instead ah, oh, so predictably using it as an excuse to enter the women's showers. And that's the funny thing about Swedish feminists, is they claim to really have seen into the dark heart of masculinity. There's patriarchy, there's manspreading, there's mansplaining, there's the male gaze, there's objectification. But hey, people from the third world, why don't you come in and shower in the, with the ladies? <laughs> Because that's totally safe it really is astounding what a dichotomy and split it is well it's about nagging not keeping women safe diversity issues lecturer oh boy there's a there's three words that always seem to show up together don't they diversity issues lecturer Jeanette Larson said they were in the showers in the restrooms in the locker rooms and on the bathing bridges. The place was invaded by men, not by transgenders, from what I could see. Everything felt incredibly unpleasant. It should be understood by anyone that it will be an open market for those who are only interested in looking at women's bodies kind of funny, you know, when you don't have borders to your country, turns out you don't really have boundaries in your showers either. And the thing is, too, with the transgender stuff, it's like, well, we want to make people feel included and not alienated and comfortable and happy and secure and welcome. But all men are patriarchs and all whites are racist because, you know, it seems like there's a bit of an inclusiveness fail when it comes to some of this stuff. So, yeah. (sighs) Ah. You get a women-only rock festival and also men in women's change rooms. Hmm. Is it two, really two generations since uh, single motherhood really began to take place in the West, to take hold in the West? <laughs> T- turns out that there's a lot of gender identity issues when boys are raised by single mothers, because women need all kinds of mentorship to become scientists, but boys apparently need no male mentorship to become men. Cultural Enrichment continues, left party municipality councillor Anna Thom, previously backed the proposal and commented that the outcome was, quote, an expression of the patriarchal world we live in and hoped that gender segregation would not need to be reinstated. You know, when I was younger, when I was uh, an entrepreneur in the software field, I was constantly reminded that hope is not a strategy. So I hope that gender segregation will not need to be reinstated. Hmm. Good, good luck with the, with the hoping there. Because that's going to work out just lovely. Now, this is far from the first social justice proposal to end disastrously in Sweden, with the attendant inability to learn from these mistakes. In 2016, the city of Stockholm, I guess, had a kind of syndrome, where they adopted a gender-equal snowplowing policy where sidewalks were given priority over main roads due to women statistically using sidewalks more and driving cars less than men. I guess there's some white white snow privilege. Funny thing is, you know, like, if you have a house, you can just shovel your own sidewalk. If you live on an apartment building, everyone can get together and shovel their own sidewalks. But no! It must be done by the government because women are just so empowered. The policy... Of plowing sidewalks over main roads, plunged Stockholm into chaos, putting major bus routes out of service, stranding commuters, impeding ambulances, and causing injury as hospitals reported a 400% increase in broken bones. The policy was quickly discontinued, and Sweden learned nothing! I'm going to guess. No, they learned nothing. Well, as life continually says, the pain will increase until the lesson is learned, or you're dead. One of the two. Swedish environment minister and Green Party member, Carolina Skog, proposed reducing the number of total cars on the road, claiming it to be a needed feminist policy. She said cars are driven largely by men. So by giving a lot of space to cars, we're giving a lot of space to men at the expense of women. Cars are sexist, don't you know? There's no end to this, you understand it. There's no end to it whatsoever. Because they're trying to achieve the impossible which was to achieve numerical gender equality. Can't happen. Women make different choices than men. Women have biological differences to men. And you simply cannot have equality. It's like saying, well, finally we'll stop encroaching upon your personal freedoms when women are on average the same height as men. Yeah, good luck with that. According to ILGA, Europe's annual rainbow index and rainbow Europe map, Sweden was the 12th ranking country in all of Europe and, quote, the worst performer in Scandinavia, related to the legal and policy human rights situation of lesbians, gay, bisexual, trans, and intrasex LGBTI people. Funny thing, you know, there used to be this wonderful idea in the West, equality under the law. I don't care who you have sex with, equality under the law. Well, they've taken a Gene Hackman cane to that mirror now, haven't they? ILGA Europe's Emma Cassidy said, Sweden has remained in the upper green section of our rainbow Europe map for several years. Of course, that's a positive thing, but other countries have bypassed them on the ranking by introducing more comprehensive, inclusive laws and policies. There are a lot of points in the equality family sections, but very little indeed in terms of protection for trans and intersex people against hate crime and hate speech or asylum laws and policies. Ah, Hate speech. Who gets to define what hate is? Hate is a subjective emotion, and all moral progress has been associated with, and in fact, there's been enormous blowback from people who are incredibly angry and upset about that moral progress. Lots of people didn't like women's voting rights for reasons that are, well, let's talk about that another time. <laughs> a lot of people didn't really like the end of slavery. A lot of people didn't really like certain kinds of privatization that, interestingly enough, sway- uh, saved. Sweden from 500% interest rates back when they were much more socialist. So people are really, really upset with moral progress. So yeah, hate crime and hate speech, it's just subjective bureaucratic strangling of free speech. And it is the response. See, this is kind of the cliche, right? Oh, women are too emotional, blah, blah, blah. Men are rational, women are emotional. So men put forward arguments and other groups in society just say, well, that's hate speech. And it should be illegal. It's like, that's not really an argument. That's an emotion. And, well, the coercive power of the state. Feels and fascism together gives you the fascism of feels. According to the index, Sweden received 60 out of 100, while Turkey only received a 9 out of 100. So that's a bit of a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge. see a lot of Turkish people coming into Europe as a whole, Sweden. So if you want to keep... Your rainbow Europe map, hi, I'm not sure how importing lots of Turkish people, largely men, is going to really, really solve that. I wonder if you did a survey in the no-go zones of the local population's relationship to homosexuality, how that would turn out. Promising an inclusive environment where, quote, everyone has equal rights and the same opportunities. Sweden's first lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender certified sports arena will be opening in 2019. Actually, that's kind of a throwback to the original greased-naked gay Olympics in ancient Rome, so everything old is new again. Now, according to the Uppsala municipality press release, and I quote, the municipality of Uppsala has the stated goal of public activities being accessible to all. Therefore, the football arena that is based on the students' LGBT diplomas, this means that the management's employees and the teams that work in the arena will receive training in LGBT issues. The arena will also be adapted so that there are toilets and dressing rooms available to all, regardless of the perceived gender identity. Because, you see, when it's not your money, you can indulge just about every utopian belief or fantasy or idea that you want. You can have 90,000 different bathrooms if you want, because it's not your money. It's easy to indulge in utopianism when you're not actually footing the bill. this is one of the basic problems with socialism. Now, female genital mutilation and child marriage. I am specifically not going to talk about the rampant sexism of still allowing or encouraging male genital mutilation in the form of circumcision. We're just going to talk about what's going on there. So, female genital mutilation, FGM, is also known as female genital cutting or female circumcision, and it is the Ritual cutting or removal of some or all of the external female genitalia. Adverse health effects may include recurrent infections, difficulty urinating, chronic pain, complications during childbirth, and even infertility. So by God above, if there's one issue that the feminists should be really, really focused on, well, this would be high on the list, wouldn't you think? According to the Swedish National Board of Health and Welfare, As of 2015, approximately 38,000 girls and women in Sweden have been subject to female genital mutilation, an estimated 7,000 of whom were 18 years old and under. The most strongly FGM-affected populations in Sweden are girls and women born in Somalia, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Egypt, or Gambia. While those numbers are alarming enough, data from a more recent study detailing FGM within Europe suggests that an estimated 150,000 women or girls in Sweden have undergone female genital mutilation. I mean, as a basic human being, this is unbelievably appalling. As the father of a much-loved daughter, I can't even tell you what this does to me. Somalia to Sweden immigrant Anissa Mohammed Hassan said, All the women I felt and trusted took hold of me, even my own mom. Then they threw away my lips and sewed together the abdomen, absolutely without anesthesia. I was eight years old. Life never resembled. No one told me what was expected, what pain it was about, and that I would be sick, and sick because of genital mutilation for the rest of my life. Everything you said before was that I would be clean, nice, that I would be a woman. Afterwards, you never talked about it. It was never mentioned, even when you were ill. I had a relative who died during surgery, but no one ever said why she died. They're sawing off women's genitalia and as this woman says throwing away the lips in the garbage where is everyone's heart and mind and soul and conscience in this issue a hundred and fifty thousand you can't find any of these people girls and women in sweden get pelvic exams don't they they go to gynecologists at times don't they can't you find any of these people who have received this torture, who are committing this torture? Aren't you supposed to report evidence of a crime if you're in the healthcare profession? Where is your conscience? This cold man, the left, is stone, power-hungry, dopamine-addicted cold sure little girls have their genitalia half hacked off without anesthesia but they vote for us so yay fgm clinic physician beta esragi said we must dare to ask women we meet from these countries if they have problems and if they are exposed to genital mutilation there is help getting here in sweden and they need to know women who come to our reception, have big problems. We remove the damaged parts in the lower abdomen area, but there are many more affected women in our society today. Women we have to discover and offer help. I don't really think that mansplaining is the number one issue that really feminists should be focusing on. But they tend to nag men they can bully. The men who they can't bully, they tend to appease. They're either at your feet or at your throat. In March 2018, the Swedish government released a controversial brochure entitled Information for Those Who Are Married to a Child, published by the Swedish Board of Health and Immigration. The brochure advised migrants currently married to children that it would be inappropriate for them to live with their underage spouse. The backlash to the brochure was strong, and it was almost immediately withdrawn. Although, of course, as we know, on the Internet, everything is forever. Married to a child. It's inappropriate. Isn't that illegal? Is, isn't that illegal? Isn't that illegal? It's just inappropriate. Chief legal officer of the National Board of Health. Yeah, see, there's that long title again. Par Oddman said, Sweden does not allow anyone under the age of 18 to be married in this country. However, according to current legislation, the main rule is that a marriage valid under the law of the country in which it is concluded is to be recognized civil law in Sweden. They don't even have boundaries around their law books. So if you claim that you're married, you don't have to show any paperwork because you don't have to show any paperwork for any of this stuff. You claim that you're married in your home country... They have to recognize it in Sweden. Moderate party member Hanif Bali said, The cases raised by the media have been Syrian citizens, even cousins. 14-year-old girls have been made pregnant by their husbands. Multiculturalism is one thing. Multilegalism is quite another is quite another. It dissolves the rule of law completely. Because everyone recognizes that if you're white in Sweden and you try any of this stuff, you're going to jail for a long, long time. And people say, well, those other groups, they can get away with it completely. So the law has no moral universal basis. It's just the exercise of power and crumble down goes the law. And then it turns out, well, as they're finding out, in other places in Europe, it really doesn't take a lot of people to not comply with a state, for that state to fall apart. It is worth noting that child marriage and rape gained nationwide attention in February 2017, when Swedish prosecutors dropped a case against a Syrian migrant who raped and impregnated his 13- to 14-year-old child bride while they lived in Syria. Attorney General Anders Perklev said, There is nothing in the legislative history of the legislation to suggest that it has been the intention of crimes abroad to be prosecuted in Sweden in a situation like the present. But why is he in the country? Why is this child rapist in the country to begin with? I don't know. Seems to me some people have been prosecuted in Sweden for war crimes now, haven't they? The whole point of the Nuremberg trials after the Second World War was looking at the grotesquerie of Nazi law and saying, yeah, well, there's times when stuff's legal, but it's still deeply and completely immoral. And there's natural law principles that trump positive law text. There is a moral law that is larger than the written law. And the written law should ideally reflect the moral law. I would call it universally preferable behavior. Other people would call it human rights, God-given rights, the Ten Commandments, whatever it is. The law must be judged relative to an absolute moral standard. Otherwise, it is the mere exercise of power. And if you don't really want to believe in it, then you don't have to. And you can do anything you want. And if you get enough people like that, the law crumbles. The whole point after the Second World War was to say the Nazis may have done things that were legal in the country they were still deeply immoral. And there is a universality to morality that the law is supposed to represent and reflect. Come on, everybody knows it's just appeasement. Attorney General Anders Perklev went on to say, Decisions could have far-reaching consequences for people who have fled here. Change in the principles would therefore require careful consideration and should not be done any other way than through new legislation. (coughs) Porridge, porridge, porridge. Almost immediately after the publication of what could best be described as a child marriage handbook, The Swedish parliament voted to stop recognizing child marriages, despite the Social Democrats requesting exemptions for special cases. Because nothing says moral law like asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Well, if they vote for us, it's okay, because we're willing to sacrifice the hymens of children in order to get votes. Liberal Party member Robert Hanna said, We demand a total ban on child marriage. It is shameful that the government wants to keep special grounds for child marriage. They are letting the girls down. To combat female genital mutilation and forced child marriage, the Swedish government has developed a system which involved would-be victims hiding a spoon in their underwear in order to alert authorities. You know, I just wonder at what point people begin to reconsider things like migrant policies, refugee policies, immigration policies. If you're like, well, you could be about to be raped by your pretend husband who's 20 years older than you, the way we're going to solve it, see, is going to put a spoon in your underwear. Center for Family Violence Development Manager Katerina sorry, says, the spoon will trigger metal detectors when you go through security checks. You will be taken aside and you can then talk to staff in private. It is a last chance to sound the alarm. So you see, they have a secret signal. And they're telling you and everyone else in the girl's family about this secret signal. Because that way, no one will ever check whether any girl has any spoon in her underwear. God, the things I have to say in this show. The absolute state of Europe. Of course, they'll just check to see if the girl has a spoon in her underwear. And then if if she does, they'll probably beat her half to death, so she's not going to do it. Your secret signal is out. (sighs) A May 2017 report estimated that over 240,000 individuals under 25 years old in Sweden were living under the oppressive separatist honor culture that has led to female genital mutilation and forced marriages. And remember, cousin marriage shaves 10-plus IQ points off the population. In September 2017, the Swedish Ministry of Youth and Civil Affairs released a guidebook titled YOMO in Practice as part of an effort to combat the increased prevalence of sexual assaults caused by mass migration. The sex guidebook offers instructions on how to speak to newly arrived migrants about gender issues and sexual consent. Because, you know, lots of Swedes, who are white, well-versed in Arabic. Lots of people from Somalia, well-versed in Swedish. So they're going to have a very, very productive conversation, as you can imagine. Ah. See, feminists from 70 years ago, you just needed to hand out a pamphlet. You could have avoided all of this patriarchy stuff and this rape culture would have completely evaporated. It's gone. Oh, man. Youth and Civil Affairs Authority Director General said... We have seen a great need for young people to get more knowledge and a great need among the adults to get help and support in how to talk about these issues. One of many parts is to argue with young girls and boys about what one can and cannot do. Yeah, because, I mean, there's no history in the Middle East whatsoever of rape being used as a weapon of invasion and subjugation and population displacement. Never happened, see. Just a misunderstanding All they need is a pamphlet, you see. Why don't they take these pamphlets and hand them out in the Middle East to end all destructive practices there? Why just keep it contained to Sweden? Because, you see, it's magic. It changes everyone's minds and culture and history irrevocably immediately. So why are you holding it only in Sweden? Hand these pamphlets out around the world. Solve all these problems. Pamphlets are magic. Rising polygamy in Sweden. In October 2017, the publicly funded Dutch Liberal Protestant Radio Broadcasting Corporation, or VPRO, published a documentary series entitled Allah in Europe, which featured a Swedish asylum seeker helper defending the practice of polygamy, saying, I'm going to go out on a limb here, I think it's a woman, what I've learned after my years of working with people from different countries is that you have to be very respectful towards different cultures. Because in all cultures, there is something better than one's own culture. In the tradition they come from, the woman has to do a lot. They have to serve the man. And it is very difficult. If you have more children, you have to wash, cook, and shop. So there are actually women who tell their men to get a second wife. I can feel like that. We could have a third adult in the family to ease the burden. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Well, you know, getting rid of cousin marriage and having monogamy, lifelong monogamy in particular, was a great Upgrade to the West as a whole, because you see, if one man can take many wives, and given that there's a 50-50 roughly split of genders at birth, asterisk, then what happens is you end up with a lot of men who can't get married, and single men who don't get tied down with the family and with children, well, there's a lot of high testosterone and aggression and so on in a man's youth. His testosterone goes down when he gets married. It goes down again when... He has children. So children tame some of the wilder elements of masculinity, and wives do too. So if you've got a lot of young men with no sexual prospects, well, they tend to cause a lot of trouble. But I guess polygamy is useful if you want a rather aggressive group of men to say, I don't know, go and invade other countries. One possibility. Uh, So it's not the way it works in the West, though. I like how she's got, uh, I can feel like that. We could have, I feel. Through an interpreter, the Dutch documentary interviewer asked one of the wives of a polygamous husband what she thought about him starting another family. Whatever I say, he does what he wants. Of course I have no choice. So, yeah, this uh, woman, I think it's a woman, defending the practice of polygamy. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. Everybody has their choices. I could see how it might work for me. This Women seem to like it. And then they actually asked the woman. And she's like, I have no choice. He does what he wants. Which means he does what he wants, or I get beaten half to death. The interpreter added, she cannot say anything, that's his choice. He can marry on his own, he says nothing to her, she has nothing to say about it. During the documentary, the Dutch interviewer also commented on polygamous relationships among asylum seekers in Sweden, noting, I feel that an enrichment of the Swedish culture is taking place here. I feel inclusiveness, enrichment, diversity. None of these grab bags of the fascisms of feels are any kind of argument with any kind of evidence whatsoever. The call to prayer. Some Muslims in Sweden want to be able to broadcast public calls to prayer throughout the country. Boy, I remember waking up to that in Morocco in the year 1999. Whew. Wake up, wake up. Prayer is better than sleep. Firing cannons off the top of the mosque. <laughs> Islam is not a place for, more, for people who are night people. They have already succeeded in obtaining permission to broadcast public calls to prayer for this in three cities. Bad Kirke, Kalskrona, and Vaxio. Vaxio Muslim Foundation press officer, Avdi Islami, said, We want to have calls to prayer in more places. There are many Muslims who are Swedish citizens who have the same rights as everyone else. Really? Really. So, if people just want to broadcast their particular ideology at massive loudspeakers, through massive loudspeaker systems early in the morning, everyone has the opportunity to do that. Yeah, These Muslims want to have the same rights as everyone else. Same religious rights, because, you know, if there's one thing that Islam stands for around the world, it's religious freedom. And if you doubt me, just go try opening a church in Saudi Arabia, and they'll be like, hey, how can we help? Can we help find you? that Oh, wait, no, that's England, with mosques. Canada now, too, apparently. Imam Ismail Abdu, uh, Abu Halal said, We're just wanting Sweden to allow Muslims in Vaxio to feel even more at home. The Islamic community should be proud of their culture and not feel like they have to hide I think that allowing the call to prayer is good for integration, and it will provide confirmation of religious freedom. Muslims are not visitors in Faxio. We live here. Yeah, I don't know. Let's say that you're some alt-right person, and you want to broadcast facts and data about the relationship between immigration and crime. Let's say you can find some. I wonder if you'll be allowed to broadcast that early in the morning, through a very loud loudspeaker system. I wonder if that's going to be the case. Or if you're part of the Church of Satan, Can you, because <laughs> you know. Ah, but here we see again, the Muslim commitment to religious freedom. Just lovely. Have any doubts about that? Just ask the Hindus in India. Southern Swedish police region unit commander said, we do not consider the contents of the loudspeaker broadcast, but only the potential noise that it makes. Therefore, we chose to refer to the municipality's environmental management, where there is expertise on the noise level that should apply. Then we came to the conclusion that we are not disturbed to the extent that one can make a different decision than to approve. In 1993, see, this is just so easy, the universality. See, it doesn't matter what the content is. The only question is, what's the noise level? In 1993, when the Catholic Church wanted to build a tower for ringing church bells in Vaxio, the municipality, advised the church to refrain, as the neighbors had complained that they would be bothered by church bells. Can't have church bells, can have an Islamic call to prayer in Sweden. Social justice solutions. What should we do? Well, I don't know, let's nag white people and spend all their money on things that only make things worse. Um, that's pretty much the 20th century. Now, another extremely urgent Swedish government program costing 3.7 million kronor, about 305,948 pounds, was created to educate newly arrived migrant men and women on both sexual rights and sexual health. Minister of Social Affairs Annika Strandhol, said, we find that some of the women in this group of new arrivals come from communities where there are completely different norms, laws and regulations. This project gives this group of women better opportunities to gain knowledge about the sexual and reproductive rights in Sweden. It is an investment that fits very well into both the debate that follows the Hashtag Me campaign and the whole debate we have had in Sweden about the importance of the newly arrived women who come here to get the right conditions for integration into Sweden. Anika, just a little, little point. If the women have their labias and other parts of their vaginas hacked off without anesthesia and Sweden doesn't do anything about it, I don't think that they really feel that Sweden is going to be protecting them from, say, being beaten by their husbands should they choose to disobey him. Because it seems like the law is parting around these migrants, you know, much like Water goes around a very large rock. So, again, I don't think pamphlets are going to solve because, you know, we all on this planet, we don't judge words, we judge deeds. And when you don't even send police into the no go zones for fear of being stoned, it's a little tough to say, hey, do you feel like integrating anybody? Sociologist Anika Vasberger said, Just talking about Swedish values like girls decide themselves over their bodies and have the right to be as sexual as boys probably has no effect. At the moment, it feels like society abandons them. So bye. Here you get some information about how we in Sweden think about equality and democracy. Out and do right. I guess because feminists in the West have nagged men into oblivion, white men into oblivion, I think they think they can do the same to men from Somalia. Pro tip, you, you can't. You can't. The limits of your power will become very, very clear when you have a group of men you can't bully and control. And because there's so much skepticism about what feminism has done in the West, it's not. They want, a lot of them don't want to integrate, of course, because they look at the West and they say, so men really can't get married very easily. They can get divorced and taken to the court, uh, and they can lose... More than half of their stuff, they can be tied down to baby jail for up to 20 years. Uh, This is just a complete disaster. Why would we want that? People have to want to integrate with what you've got. It appears that such education is desperately needed, as Sweden saw a record-breaking rise in the number of gonorrhea cases in 2017, with the rates of the sexually transmitted disease more than tripling the prior year's numbers. No borders to your country, no borders for sexually transmitted diseases. How's education going? Well, the Swedish school system has also been strongly impacted by mass migration, as according to the OECD's Program for International Student Assessment, or PISA, survey, Sweden was ranked 28th out of 34 countries in math, 27th in science, and 27th in reading. OECD said the gap between immigrants and native born remains a challenge. Almost one in two immigrant students, 48%, perform below the baseline level in math, compared with 22% for native born students. Now, please understand, these numbers are way inflated, in my opinion, because there's this, you know, desperate to just pass kids up and not to have disparities between the whites and the non whites, because then that's evidence of racism and you can get in big trouble. So it's just way inflated. And some of the significant portions of just the Syrian migrants into Europe, two-thirds of them are illiterate even in their own language. So I would not hold my breath for them to learn Swedish quickly anytime soon. In 2017, the Swedish Expert Group on Public Finance, ESO, reported that migrant children seven years of age and older only had a 50% chance of passing through to high school compared to the general pass rate of 70% in 1998. The Yarva Parental Alliance Chairman Hagi Farah said, They are angry with society. They are entitled to a proper education that can handle future work. But if we do not give, society, give a chance to 16-year-olds, then he or she breaks away from society and then there come criminal or evil forces. See, this is the idea. Crime is a function of poverty. Crime is a function of ignorance. No, 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 no. We must peel this out of our brain as a fantasy that is pulling us like a pterodactyl off the cliff of prehistory. It is low IQ that produces dysfunction. It is not poverty that produces dysfunction. Poverty is also produced by low IQ. An estimated 270,000 Swedish schoolchildren are receiving part of their education in their mother tongue language. And in May 2018, a Swedish school in Vingakas municipality was reported for teaching migrant children the Koran. See, you're not supposed to teach religious texts in Sweden. You can broadcast the Islamic call to prayer, not church bells, but you're not allowed to teach religious texts. And what is the price of all of this? What is the cost of all of this? Nobody knows. Nobody gets any direct bills. So again, you can indulge in all the utopian fantasies you want when you're playing with other people's imaginary money, right? There's four levels of Care when it comes to spending. You have the most care when you're spending for something you want, something you're going to use, using your own money. Second level of care is you're spending for someone else using your own money. Third level of care, well, carelessness is you are buying other people's stuff, you're buying yourself stuff with other people's money. Least care is you're buying other people's stuff with other people's money. So, I mean, this this is bleeding dry, all of the accumulated wealth of 800 years in decades, if that. Unnamed Vingyaka's municipality school director said about this teaching of the Quran, if it occurs, then it must immediately cease. It is completely unacceptable. We do not give room for prayer or special studies of the Quran. If it occurs, it must be stopped immediately. According to an April 2018 survey of Swedish municipalities, approximately 70% of schools have installed security cameras and hired additional security guards to deal with the rising violence brought on due to mass migration. A survey of 700 teachers found that 13% had been threatened by students and 9% were the victim of student-teacher violence. And that to me, that's a shocking statistic. Almost 1 in 10. So what is what is going on? I assume that that's underreported as well because people probably don't want to be seen as racist even in, in a survey. Student-teacher violence. Now, these are... About 80%, it's down a little bit from a while ago, but it's about 80% of these teachers are women. And Middle Eastern respect for female authority may not be quite as high as Western or white respect for that. So, yeah, one in 10 almost have been the victim of student-teacher violence. You know what I think? Oh, you know what I think, Sweden? I think it's time for another pamphlet. That's all I'm going to say. Ombudsman's Teachers Association head, Sabina Balanias, said, It's abusive discrimination, psychological and physical violence. I have a colleague that tried to separate a brawl, but he got his knee knocked out and today lives on cortisone injections. It's terrible. There are teachers who do not want to come back and teachers who have to continue to teach these children, though they have been exposed to threats and violence. And you've probably seen these pictures online of the children. Migrant children in Sweden, you know, these guys who are like six foot two with full beards and you know sitting around awkwardly (laughs) in little tables. I mean, it's crazy. And this, of course, is the same as the police. So if you're facing this kind of violence, this kind of hatred, hostility, conflict, and so on, and you're largely powerless to protect children being bullied by migrants, well, what happens? Well, if you have any choice, if you have any opportunities... Elsewhere, you're going to go, just like the police. You're to, so the best people are going to leave, and it's going to be uh, descending competence all the way down. In March 2018, the New York Times highlighted a growing trend in Swedish preschools that involves teaching young children that gender is a social construct, including the regular use of gender-neutral pronouns. In what is described as compensatory gender strategy, children are separated by gender, and assigned activities usually associated with the opposite gender. Girls are forced to practice shouting, no, told to throw open the window and scream. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Oh, my gosh. It's like that Seinfeld episode where the woman says she's having some friends over for a wine party. And Jerry Seinfeld says, so then you're going to strip down to your bra and panties and have a tickle fight. And she says, you really think that's what women do when we get together? And he's like, yes, yes, I do. And this is what boys do. This is... (laughs) Boys shout no and throw open the window and scream. Yeah, that's how you build civilization. You throw open the window and scream because that's all boys do. Just throw open the window and scream. (sighs) Girls were also led for barefoot walks in the snow because apparently that's a boy thing. Boys were put in charge of play kitchens and instructed to provide foot massages to their same-sex classmates because... Yeah, that's all Swedish women are doing, is they're in the kitchen giving foot rubs. <laughs> Good Lord. I'm telling you, it's like it's like my mom's been put in charge for country. Teacher, Melissa Estaca said, When we are drawing, we see that the girls, they draw a lot. They draw girls with lots of makeup and long eyelashes. It's very clear that they are girls. We ask, don't boys have eyelashes? And they say, we know it's not like that in real life. There is so much they bring with them. They bring the whole world with them. We can't stop that from happening. According to the New York Times, in 1988, Sweden added new language to its national curriculum, requiring that all preschools counteract traditional gender roles and gender patterns and encourage children to explore outside the limitations of stereotyped gender roles. They haven't really done much to reduce the prevalence of women in teaching, though, because women like those jobs. You know, summers often professional development days, you don't really have to work that long after you get the hang of it, and early retirements, and union protection, and you can't be fired. Yeah, women like those jobs, so there's no need for gender equity there, right? See, gender equity is only for the things that women want, not for the things, one, not for, not for the things women want to give up. That would be crazy. Humboldt University Center for Transdisciplinary Gender Studies professor, Lan Hornscheid, said, Sweden is really the pioneer. No other country has made such an effort to break down gender barriers among children. Gender theory journalist and equal opportunity expert Ingmar Jens said, We tried to do that to educate boys in what girls already knew and vice versa. They said we were indoctrinating the kids. I say we're always indoctrinating kids. Bringing them up is indoctrination. Crucifixion's affection too good for them. See, this is everything is environmental. There's nothing innate, no difference, no evolution between boys and girls. No reason why boys would have slightly different mindsets than girls. Nothing. It's all environmental. Everything is environmental. It's this magic soil hypothesis. It's the same thing that happens with migration. You can make boys into girls. You can make girls into boys. You can make third worlders into Swedes. Everything's just environmental and everything's malleable and nobody's got any identity and there's never been anything that's developed that's hardened into human nature it's the same fantasy that goes on we can have human beings who don't have any thirst for profit who don't have any thirst for efficiency who don't have any thirst for the accumulation of resources it's crazy and of course they know that it's not environmental they know that it's not environmental because, you see, if you are not on the left and you want to go join some organization that's overwhelmingly leftist, like the media, like academia, like schools and so on, if you want to go and jo- they'll say, no, you can't come in here. No, you can't. They have a very strict border for anyone who's not on the left around leftist-dominated and, and gripped institutions. They've got very, very clear fiery modes of ostracism and rejection. And they're open about that. They've been very clear about that, at least in American universities. They've openly said, I'm not going to hire somebody who's a conservative, somebody who's on the right, somebody who's not a leftist. But why? Because everything's environmental. You can reprogram anyone any way you want. They already speak your language. They have a similar history. Just change them. But they don't want... They won't let conservatives into their institutions because they feel helpless to change those people. So they just keep them out. But you can bring someone from the Middle East and... Program them like that. And again, the parents aren't choosing. The kids aren't choosing. It's just you've got this cold-eyed leftist ant farm colony where they just get to experiment on children. Gender equality policies are supported by both the Social Democrats and the Moderate Party, but fiercely opposed by the Sweden Democrats who have vowed to eliminate teaching that, quote, seeks to change all children and young people's behavior and gender identity. In February 2018, Malmo City Library made headlines by holding a Drag Queen Storytime, inviting veteran drag queens Lady Busty, wait, so both of those terms are false, I guess, Lady Busty and Miss Shameless, well, at least one of those words is, is true, to teach children about the importance of equality and tolerance for migrants. Library communications officer, Johan Bjorkwall. Oh, look, we finally found a wall in Sweden. As an LGBT certified library... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I laugh so I don't cry. As an LGBT certified library, we want to work actively with these issues. So when we were approached about Drag Queen Story Hour, we said yes. Drag Queen Stefan Andersen said... Drag queens are mostly only seen on television and at nightclubs and pride parades, so it's not often that they are close to children. Drag queen story time will be very useful for the children. I wonder what happens in Sweden when you've got a 30% Muslim voting block and they kind of take over the legislation. I wonder what's going to happen to drag queen story time. Off the bill? Well, I guess they'll use the library. They'll just use the library as the basis for their drag queen catapults. Terrible. The drag queen went on to say, it's important to break taboos and social norms. We want to show that it's fun not to have any limitations. Everyone is different. We come from different places, different cultures. We are different and we behave differently from each other. What's important is not to be afraid of the unknown. See, now here's the thing, Stefan. What you want to do, since you don't want to be afraid of the unknown, is you want to take your drag queen story time into the no-go zones. So, you know, call up the mosque and say, we really, really want to bring drag queen story time into your mosque to teach the kids about. I don't want to be afraid of the unknown. So in you, just give them a call and in you go. Drag Queen Storytime was rolled out to many taxpayer-funded schools, community centers, libraries, and nursery schools, including two and three-year-olds learning songs about transgender teddy bears. Now, they've got a real stranglehold on the minds of the young homeschooling is mostly illegal in Sweden. See, they're really, really into diversity and tolerance, but don't try taking your kids out of public schools or we'll throw you in jail. Drag queen Storytime founder Tom Canham openly admits that young children are specifically targeted to prevent them from developing hatred later in life. He says racism, homophobia, misogyny, and the like are all learnt behaviors. We aren't born with any form of hatred you get taught it over time. Yeah, well, I guess leftists are teaching me uh, uh, over time. So what they're saying is if you don't get them while they're young, you're never really able to change their minds. But we can bring 20-year-olds in from the Middle East and a pamphlet will change them. Like, uh, And I don't know about racism, but uh, in-group preferences are innate. They're required for evolution. In group preferences, uh, genetic proximity—you you care about your own kids more than you care about other people's kids, and so on. That's all elemental biology, elemental evolution. So, in terms of in group preferences, babies prefer pictures with their own skin color, like very shortly after birth. And so, no, it's not—it's not taught over time. It's innate to evolution, the evolution, and biology, and. Racial IQ differences very much go against this everything's environmental, as do the leftists themselves, who never try to reform others, but simply suppress them, right? Just hand out a pamphlet to conservatives, they'll completely change into being leftists, right? Because pamphlets are magic. <sighs> London Early Years Foundation executive June O'Sullivan said, by providing spaces in which children are able to see people who defy rigid gender restrictions, it allows them to imagine the world in which people can present themselves as they wish. Children are very open until about three. At three, they begin to absorb all the isms that adults have developed very effectively. Ah, interesting. So in Sweden, as in most Western countries, the governments have been in rigid and strict control over the minds of children for 150 years. More so lately. So if... Children end up growing up with all this racism, homophobia, misogyny, and so on. Who's teaching them? You've got single moms. You've got female teachers. You've got female politicians. Female voters have dominated ever since women got the vote because women live longer, vote more, and, and have a greater incentive for free stuff. So who's teaching them all this? Is it space aliens coming in? Who's teaching them all this misogyny? There's no answer to that because it's not true. A recent Swedish children's book titled Hasten and Hus gained significant attention as it featured a male to female transgender character and a trans species horse that believes he is a dog. Author Suzanne Pelcher claims she wants the book to allow preschoolers to be who they want. Really? Now we're into changing species, now, now you can just become an owl? <laughs> That's I self-identify as a unicorn. Well, no, that would be crazy because unicorns don't exist. Now now it's just you can change species. That's where we're going. Why, why only species? Why can't you change into an inanimate objects? A cloud. A coat hook. A sane leftist. No, no, that's a unicorn. Whew. Man, oh, man. Swedish child psychiatrist Louise Frisen reports that the number of children identifying as transgender has grown over the last several years, claiming that the number has increased 100% annually. Now, this is, I'm sure, completely unrelated, but I'm just, you know, throwing it in there to spice and pepper up this rather lengthy presentation. I really, really appreciate you hanging in there. It's important. So, between 1991 and 2014, the sales of antidepressants in Sweden increased by 13,690%. For girls aged 15 to 19, the increase for boys was 6,710%. The numbers of young Swedes reporting that they suffer from depression, anxiety, or other mental health disorders has risen in the last 30 years. Antidepressant prescriptions increased 36% between 2006 and 2012. So, now people say, well, you know, we're just becoming more aware of these issues. How do you know? How do you know Sweden isn't an asylum that turns sane people crazy? It at least is an option that should be examined just a smidge, I would say. These programs and the increased prevalence of children identifying as transgender coincide with the Swedish parliament voting to investigate implementing a third neutral gender for government documents. Central Party spokesman Ola Johansson said, we've been fighting for quite some time now looking around Europe. Germany has introduced this already and it is sad that we are quite far behind. For the people it concerns, it's a huge question. For transsexuals, for example, there's an incredibly high proportion of mental ill health. And if you can minimize it, it's great. While more programs are designed to increase acceptance, less accepting practices are also gaining a strong foothold. In June 2018, Swedish newspaper Götzberg Posten conducted a review of preschools in migrant-heavy areas and found schools willing to enforce Children wearing Islamic veils if their parents demanded it. See, really, really into inclusiveness and diversity and different ways of thinking. But if you educate your kids outside of government indoctrination camps, we'll throw you in jail. Yeah, I can taste the diversity, and it pretty much tastes like cordite. Swedish Education Minister. So this is the top, man. This is the top. Swedish Education Minister Gustav Fridolin said. There is still some uncertainty about these issues. Several of the examples in your review are clear crimes against the school's value base. You should never end up in a situation where the school compromises children's rights. Clothing is an individual expression, and the school cannot exert such control over either young or older students. It is not the task of the school, and everyone who works at school should know that. Right, Islamic veils, just a piece of clothing. You know, it's like a hat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I wonder what happens if you wear a MAGA hat to a Swedish school. Huh, I wonder, I wonder. So, what's the economic impact? Well, as of May 2018, 338,000 people were registered as unemployed with the Swedish Public Employment Service. Reports suggest 138,000 native-born individuals were unemployed, or 3.5% of the total compared with 200,000 unemployed foreign-born people, or 20.2%, almost 600% higher. Now, I assume in Sweden, to be registered as unemployed, you have to be actively looking for work, so this doesn't count all the others who are not even looking for work. According to Chris Tomlinson at Breitbart For half of the new migrants, it can take up to eight years before they find a job and can take even longer for those with limited educational backgrounds. Around half of the migrants with a high school education who arrived in 1997 took an average of 19 years to find work, while half of those who arrived in 2006 took 10 years. 19 years to find work. Man, if their unemployment was born in Canada... By the time they find work, their unemployment would be able to drink beer. Head of Employment at the Europe at the Employment Service, Horkan Gustafsson said, We have many who are new in the country and unemployed during the establishment phase in the labor market. The difference is so great because native-born workers work so much. Domestically born women have extremely high employment rates compared with the rest of Europe. The difference... In itself, is no problem, but we have this challenge to get more into work. Right. See, the Swedish women are going to get educated, and then they're going to go get jobs, and then they're going to work like crazy, and they end up not really having any children. You see, that's kind of important. The migrant women are home being impregnated on the Swedish taxpayer's dime and pumping out lots of kids. And where does that math leave you? Well, we looked at that earlier. National Institute of Economic Research, Director of Forecasting, (laughs) Ah, Ilva Hayden Westerdahl said, once you stay out of the labor market for a long time, you're forced to live off benefits, something that leaves a toll on the government finances. We have a rights-based welfare system entitling people to receive school and care. It's a generous system, but we need many people to work. If we are few, the tax burden will be high on those who do work. If we do not get more into the labor market, we will need to raise taxes in Sweden. Right. Right, Ilva, because there's absolutely no other possibility. You couldn't close the borders. You couldn't deport people who fraudulently got into this whole system to begin with. Ah only only thing to do is raise taxes, all we can do. There's no other conceivable possibilities. A Survey of two hundred and forty four, Swedish municipalities showed that 23 were providing welfare benefits to migrants whose asylum applications were denied, and other illegal aliens. Yeah, I'm sure they haven't been threatened at all. Not a bit. In many cases, municipalities classified the welfare benefits as emergency funds, which obscured the benefits on paper. Yeah. So, yeah, you continue to pay people who are in your country illegally, staying in your country illegally, People respond to incentives. What do you think is going to happen? Moderate party leader Ulf Christensen said, I think it's a problem that we are not clear in Sweden. It cannot be that social assistance is provided for a longer period of time as if you had the right to stay. Well, they don't want riots. They don't want car burnings. They don't want Parisian-style flames. I mean, in 2016, Stockholm University associate professor Jan Tulberg conservatively estimated that the total lifetime cost of Sweden's 2015 migrant policy could reach 300, sorry, 583 billion kroner, or approximately 48.3 billion pounds. Now, that's one year. One year's migrant policy. 583 billion kroner. I'm sure he came up with it by just looking at the numbers, typing in 583, and then just resting his forehead on the zero key until he felt better which is probably never. And this is why they don't ask people. This is why they don't ask you whether you want mass migration from the third world. And this is why nobody gets a bill. Everyone can indulge their sentimentality and their hopes and their wouldn't it be nice if and and indulge their rage against people who disagree with them. Nobody's paying any bills. This is all made up money. Nobody's paying bills that they've been asked to pay. Who would who would choose all of this? Who? This calculation only accounts for the lifetime costs of 2015 migration policy, which would be enough to fund 14 years of Sweden's defense budget. I think defense should be in quotes. Amounting to an average cost per migrant of 3 million kroner, or approximately 248,000 pounds. What is that, four or five hundred thousand dollars? Per migrant. Per migrant, just in 2015. And this is why I say to the libertarians who are like, well, aren't you for free migration? This isn't freed migration. This isn't free migration. This isn't just people crossing borders. This is people being forced to fund their replacements. It's called digging your own grave. Now, in tech fields, right, if you're going to get replaced by some uh, third world H 1B visa applicant, uh, you have to train them being forced to dig your own grave. This is not, it's a government program. Massive trial. Who would who would want to pay this? Who would want to pay this? Well, you get a no-go zone. You get increased crime. Women feel unsafe. You got to shut down your music festivals. Your kids are going to get attacked. Your teachers are going to get attacked. It's going to be a massive disaster. You're going to get a call to prayer. god awful early in the morning, blasting you out of sleep. Oh, and also just for one year, we're going to bill you 248,000 pounds or 3 million krona per applicant. Who would say yes to that? I mean, when governments are in control of currency or governments are in control of spending, governments can borrow at infinitum. It's subsidized insanity. Free madness. In December 2017, the local authorities and county council, SKL, announced that the welfare costs would increase faster than possible revenue from taxation, costs brought about by mass migration. The agency claimed that the 47 billion kronor, or approximately 4.1 billion pounds, gap between tax revenues and welfare costs would need to be made up by outright tax increases or through raising the retirement age. Yeah, only two choices, force people to work more or force people to pay more. Because deportation or merit-based are not words apparently that exist in the Swedish language. Well, and of course it's the young who'll pay the taxes and the boomers who are retiring and they won't want to mess with the boomers because the boomers will vote you to Mars. Swedish socialist, but I repeat myself. Swedish Socialist Party Finance Minister Magdalena Andersson also discussed the possible necessity of raising the retirement age to offset increased welfare costs. Looking at those who start working at 30, there should be opportunities to work longer than 65. Well, I mean, I'm I can agree with that to some degree, but shouldn't ever be legislated by the government. In March 2018, National Institute of Economic Research, KI Head, Urban Hansen Brüswitz, warned that the quality of social services were at risk due to mass migration. We are facing some years of demographic challenge, which makes me a little worried that the municipalities may be forced to raise taxes. Do you see this kind of weird passivity? We're just facing it. It's just happening. We have to deal with this. It's like, these are all the results of choices that can all be unmade. In May 2018, ah, Blacking County Administration Integration Councilor Lena Eckroth, discussed the impact of mass migration on the local municipalities. There are homes. I need to find shelter over the heads of those who come here. Then we have schooling in the form of finding it difficult to find teachers and premises so that we have enough. Then there is health and especially dental care that is seen in increased pressure. The mental health of the lone children has deteriorated. And in the, research, in the reports, it is said that there is a major drug problem in this group. That's something we need to look at, whether that's right or not. Yeah, you can look at it. It's this drama. Everybody, like, what, what do people want this drama for? Don't you have jobs and children of your own rights? With this drama, we're going to save the world. and Bring everyone in. Fix everyone. And fix everything. And help the kids. And <laughs> I remember how the Muslim world took all of the European... Refugees during the Second World War, that was great. Ah, of course, we have to turn to Swedish hate crimes. In response to rising anti Semitism, huh? Anti Semitism in Sweden. Bring three quarter of a million Muslims into your country, and there's anti Semitism. Now, of course, everyone says, well, this is a problem with Nazism. But, I mean, there are no Nazis of any consequence. <laughs> in Europe or in North America or just about anywhere else, I guess, except in very remote Argentine graveyards. And so, anti-Semitism. Same thing in France. A lot of Jews are fleeing France. Just look up the traditional relationship or the historical relationship between Islam and Judaism. It's not brain surgery. It's not a mystery. So, Culture Minister Alice Ba Kunk accounted that 15 million kroner, equivalent to 1.4 million euros, has been set aside for government education projects related to Nazi crimes against Jews and other groups. Nazism and racism, she said, he said, sorry, no, she. Nazism and racism are growing and spreading. We are therefore launching this investment so that more youth can be equipped with the knowledge to tackle the anti-democratic forces that are growing in Sweden. I don't think it's Nazism, guys. I really don't think it's Nazism. The European Commission's European Commission Against Racism and Intolerance (ECRI) said the number of cases of racist and xenophobic hatred theory has increased in recent years, especially in the context of the arrival of a very large number of migrants during the migrant crisis. Recently, despite the serious efforts of the authorities to prevent such hatred rhetoric, the groups that are predominantly vulnerable are migrants, Muslims, dark-skinned people, and Romans. Um, that means I think Gypsies not not ancient. A recent notable case involved a 65-year-old Swedish woman who had her home raided, faced six separate police interrogations and eight charges of hate speech for claiming on social media that mass migration would lower the overall IQ of the country. So I guess math is a hate crime in, in Sweden. Recently, Thomas Arbog, the head of an internet group named, here we go, Nathats Granskaden, Which is responsible for a massive increase in hate crime reporting to police was nominated for the Swedish Hero Award, which highlights everyday heroes who demonstrated courage, civil courage, and humanity. Yeah, because nothing spells moral courage like reporting free speech to the police. What a hero. This group is responsible for reporting the aforementioned 65-year-old Swedish woman, and Auerberg recently commented, We were surprised to see ladies over the age of 65 write very, very rough things on Facebook. I'm going to tell you, none, not one of the music festivals was cancelled as a result of typing. The European Commission's European Commission Against Racism and Intolerance said, Anti-Semitic hatred is also a problem in Sweden. In addition, cases of racist violence still occur in the country. The result of crime prevention agencies is not fully acceptable, and the rate of crimes for hate is still low. Yeah, see, they're, they're not charging enough people for speaking and typing and making connections and reporting data and so on. Racist violence. So the foreign people who assaulted mostly the white Swedish girls at these music festivals Was that racist violence? Now I see it only goes one way. You can't win. Social Democrat and Swedish Prime Minister Stefan Löfven said, We must be very clear that this anti-Semitism and hatred of Jews has no place in our society. Absolutely no room at all. This shouldn't have any place. That goes against the very moral fiber of Sweden. Here all people have the same value. Unless you're a Catholic church and you want to do church bells. No, can't do that. Sorry. Sweden's foreign minister, Margot Wallström, said anti-Semitism, threats and violence have no place in our society. So, fake news. The same Swedish Security Service Director General Anders Thornburg, who said that the terror threat in Sweden is the new normal, recently discussed the danger of fake news and disinformation. Quote, It's very important for us to follow this, and we are not shy in Sweden. We say that the biggest threat to our security in that perspective is Russia. We are preparing, we are learning, we are taking in information from foreign countries and from sister services, and we are trying to prepare to protect the Swedish election. Oh, yeah. Russia is everybody's villain. Who's on the left? Well, it wasn't when it was a communist murder hellhole, totalitarianism nightmare, but now that it's you know, pretty Christian and pretty nationalistic. It's just the great Satan. So yeah, look at that. They're worried about Russian meddling in their election because all populism, all desire for self-preservation comes from Putin. He's magic. And of course, they are preparing for the inevitable cry of Russia hacked our election if the leftists lose. I mean, that's, they're just preparing the soil for that. They saw it work in America to a large degree. So So, yeah, remember, keeping the integrity of elections is very, very, very important. In October 2017, the Swedish government granted 13.5 million kronor, 1.2 million pounds, to four mainstream media outlets to combat fake news prior to the upcoming national elections. Because, boy, if there's one thing governments are good at, is making sure that no propaganda ever reaches the population as a whole. Sweden. Civil Contingency Secretariat, Head of Global Analysis and Monitoring. Michael Toveson said, What we are doing is looking at what information could affect the well-being of our population, the functionality of our society, or could affect negatively our fundamental values, freedom of speech, democracy, and individual rights. sorry. As the government, we need to control the information that you get and throw you in jail for pointing out mathematical truths, because otherwise, how are we going to protect freedom of speech? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, I tell you, I mean, I have one little inconsistency in, in, in some philosophical argument. It just drives me crazy. It's like a splinter under my nail. These people just, contradiction, irrationality, anti-empiricism. I just sail along. Ah, iron bar, meat pretzel. <laughs> In March 2018, the Swedish government announced plans for representatives to meet with Google, Facebook, and other internet companies in an effort to combat online anonymity, as well as increased censorship. Yeah, anonymity is really a, a, a terrible thing, apparently, <laughs> because how, how are they going to find you and punish you? We're talking. Minister for Housing and Digitization. All right, I guess... They just <laughs> reached into the hat and pulled out two things. He's minister of uh, frisbee and sewage. Peter Erickson said, So far it has been too easy to be able to say anything on the internet. The troll accounts that exist today, as well as in Sweden, must end. You have to point out to the big platforms and tell them, You have a responsibility. You have to clean up and get rid of this. You know, the best way to get rid of bad arguments is to have better arguments, Peter. Not to... Not, uh, well, anyway, well, it's a confession. He doesn't have better arguments. Swedish Justice Minister Morgan Johansson said, I think that in any case, we must increase the pressure on the Internet giants. They allow the unlawful material to remain. Then we will not have it, because we have got to protect freedom of speech. <sighs> Facebook has also granted Sweden's civil contingencies agency, Special fast track privileges to combat fake news, allowing authorities to jump to the front of the line when suggesting profiles or content for removal. I don't know, it's tough, you know, if you're these internet giants, part of me is like, well, it is your job to maximize revenue. Another part is, yeah, but you're kind of colluding with some pretty nasty people, so. A recent survey showed that 68%. Of Swedish citizens, believe that political bias had an effect on media reports, with that number reaching 82% among Sweden Democrats. Regarding mass migration, only 29% trust the media's reporting, and 39% distrust it. Among Sweden Democrats, 75% distrust the media's reporting on mass migration issues. Yeah, how do you know a reporter is lying? He's breathing. He's typing. He's <laughs> he's calling you. So yeah. So, clearly, when the population is no longer believing your lies and are listening to people telling the truth, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to up your game and start telling the truth? God, no. Why would you want to join the government if you wanted to tell the truth? Well, in Sweden, anyway. So, remember, integrity of elections, very important. Got to keep the Russians out of things. The Swedish government also announced an investment of... 85.1 million kroner, 7.2 million pounds, to encourage residents from troubled areas to participate in the Swedish general elections in 2018 and the European Parliament elections in 2019. Now, of course, you know, the the imams in in, um, England would tell their people to vote Labour, vote for the left, right? I mean, this is reliable leftist votes. So they're concerned that the population doesn't trust them, so they're trying to block free speech. They're concerned that people are going to vote for the Sweden Democrats. So now they're just going to try and rope in as many people from these troubled areas to participate in the election so that they get the votes and can block the Sweden Democrats. Rinkby Association head Jorgen Strandberg said, The election participation is extremely low in Rinkby. We will gather people through workshops, education initiatives, and show the benefits of voting in an election. One idea we have is to hire 10 young people for four weeks this summer. The first week We'll go to educate young people about what the election means. Then the volunteers are supposed to do, supposed to go door to door together with responsible adults. Yeah, I wonder how everyone on welfare is going to vote, huh? I wonder how people who came in through lax border policies—I wonder how they're going to vote with regards to border policies. It's a big. It's a big challenge. Big question. Really hard to puzzle this one out. Oh, here's another one. I wonder if the dominant government paying to educate people about voting, I wonder if they're going to frame things in a way that might end up positive to themselves. No, it couldn't be. It's the Russians! Yeah, they're the ones meddling in the election. Resident Dahir Yetye said, it depends on different things. Some do not have the knowledge of how to vote. Society needs to encourage these people and explain that it is important to vote for the existing Swedish government. So look, no one's being asked, and for good reason. Why would people want all of this mess? They don't. The mess that is going to transform their societies, that costs them a lot of money, that creates conflict and violence and so on. No one's being asked. If you want to help people in the Middle East, which I completely understand and sympathize with, and I share those sentiments, sending money to the Middle East is the way to help people in the Middle East. You can, like from America, you can help 12 times more people by sending money to the Middle East rather than bringing those people into uh, the West. So if you want to help, there's tons of ways to help help them in the Middle East, you can help a lot more people. Because, yeah, your taxes are going to go up, your retirement age is going to go down, your children are going to be threatened and attacked, resources are going to be drawn away, healthcare queues get longer, dentistry in particular is a huge issue. So, yeah, you're not being asked. And if you complain, you risk going to jail. That's horrible. This is already tyrannical, in my view. And this idea that, well, you know, we can hand out a couple of pamphlets and we're going to replace thousands of years of Greco-Roman, Judeo-Christian values and we are say, you know, it's just a way of Easily transmogrifying people into native Swedes—it's not—it's not not realistic. It's not how the world works. It's not how people work. And this idea, well, we got to get kids. We got to get babies. We got to get them before they're three to program them the way they want, because otherwise their beliefs harden. But let's bring all these adults in who we can change with a. I mean, it's it's mental. It's mental. And a Swedish government does appear to at least somewhat be recognizing this. And I think that the purpose is destruction. The purpose is not integration. The purpose is not diversity. What happens is when governments, as I've said before, when governments make promises, financial promises they can't keep, they gain votes in the moment, but then when the bill comes due, they provoke conflict. And in this case, it's going to be civil conflict. Swedes have been told to prepare for social unrest. They've been told to stock up on food. They've been told to get ready uh, because we've got... There are two very primitive mindsets that are kind of coming together and colliding in Sweden, uh, and, and it has often been noted that there is a like fundamentalist Islam and radical leftism kind of have a synchronicity to them that uh, certainly was very difficult and dangerous and ended up um, overthrowing the more secular government in Iran back in the day. So you've got these two primitive mindsets, sort of radical collectivism and fundamentalist Sharia law. They're on a collision course, and the Swedish population is being caught in the middle. The chance, of course, the only opportunity for a peaceful solution of all of this is to have some border controls and to try and figure out who's there legally, who's not there legally, just start enforcing the laws. Because a country that has no laws, you can't integrate with it. You know, it's like asking an orchestra to play along when there's no music. Just, you know, we're going to just jam. It's like, no, you'll just get a discordant last Beatles song noise, right? I mean, so you need to have your laws, you need to have your society, you need to have your borders, you need to have your culture. And this is not going to help the Middle East. Because if you're getting smart, the smartest people from the Middle East, the Middle East gets worse. If you're getting less intelligent people from the Middle East, they're not going to integrate. They're not going to work. You know, at a time when we know that artificial intelligence is making great strides, we know that robots are moving forward, jobs are being automated. So, why the need to import all this low skill labor at the same time when the demand for low skill labor? Diminishing, and there are Swedes who are low skilled, who are low IQ. How are they going to compete with this endless wave of people coming in? Well, they're not, it's cruel to everyone perpetually, and it's going to come to a head relatively soon. So, I really appreciate you sifting through and listening to this essential presentation. Uh, I would really, really like your support to help continue doing this kind of stuff at freedomainradio.comslash donate. Now, you have the facts, go forth and speak, and share, and educate, because knowledge without action is worse than useless. It's a form of self-torture. Now you have the facts. What are you going to do?